I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move I like sativa blends because they're not going to put me to sleep while we record. I like to movie movie. My name is Stephen Richards. My name is Dan Scully. I thought you were turning off the recording so that nobody would hear you say sativa blend. No. But instead you were turning it on so everybody could hear you say yes. sativa blend. It's the end of the year, man. It if is the not, end of the year. If you're not smoking weed, you're doing don't something talk to else. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk to me. Yes, this is the end of the year, the end of 2023. This is I Like to Movie Movies' big yearly countdown episode. We did the best of the year uh, midway through, and now we're going to do it revisiting it at the end of the year, talking about what we liked about movies this year, what we didn't like, what themes may have emerged, and other fun stuff. But it's uh, it's been a wild year, my friend. The theme that emerged the most for me is... Um... Goodbye, Jonathan Majors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Adios. And not even because he's like honorably dead or anything, but because he's dishonorably he's a criminal. A fucking idiot. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, man. The other day, I brought, <coughs> I've been walking through the uh, Creed series with my pops. So every time I go home, I bring one. And we got to Creed 3 the other day. And Jonathan Majors, piece of shit as he might be, he is so fucking good in that movie. It is yeah. one of the best performances I've ever seen in any movie. And like, of course he's a fucking psycho. Yeah. Why would why wouldn't he be a psycho? He's that good. He looks so jacked. He looks so jacked, and but like I'm the like, way he plays damaged is so genuine and real. Yeah. And it's it's scary good, but I can see now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, he's scary good like Kevin Spacey's scary good. Yeah. Where you go, this it's is just method. real. <laughs> yeah, like you're just actually method. scary. You're living the method. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, it's that oh, sativa blend. It's all good. It's yeah. that's <laughs> it's that sativa blend. But yeah, I like to movie movie. Best movie movies are our favorite movie movies of 2023. Um, you can follow the show at Movie Movie Cast. You can uh, follow our other show, Hot Property, at Hot Property Pod. Um, sorry for the delay. Uh, I was a little sick last week. It's yeah. been an eventful week, so uh, we had to delay everything. But that's fine because it allowed me to squeeze in one more movie that has me questioning my entire list. And it gave us the opportunity to record together in yes. person. We're in person again. We're in person. You know what that means? We're going to be singing at the end of the episode. We are definitely going to be tradition. singing at the end of the episode. <laughs> we're also going to be snacking. So before we yeah. get started, uh, a few things that we have to just try on the air, even though this is more of a hot property thing. Uh, we have some special snacks. So if you hear us crunching, this is what it is. But... Uh, First, we're going to start with uh, just a beverage. Now, neither of us are looking to get drunk tonight, but we are yeah. going to be sharing a very again. special... Yeah, maybe not ever again. Um, a very special beverage. Uh, I'm about to crack into a can of Flavortown Fruit Punch. And uh, the only, I am making an exception because I told Dan in a lengthy text today about why I'm not drinking, and he fully understood. But then he said, I also have a Flavortown seltzer, and I'm like, okay, I'll try it. I don't want to enable you to drink, but I think a sip is in order. I because... think that it would be irresponsible of me not to have a sip. Exactly. That's what the alcoholics of the world yeah. need to tell themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a Guy Fieri production. Uh, it's fruit punch. It's made with real fruit. As I hope here. it's a Guy Fieri production because if it's not, there's going to be a lawsuit. <laughs> there's going to be a huge lawsuit. <laughs> And it'll be paid in barbecue sauce. It is six percent alcohol by volume. And what I love is that the top of that the logo itself actually has spiked blonde yeah. tips, and they are signed by Guy. From a design standpoint, and you know that's the where I go the first time I look at anything. Um, I hate the fonts that are used to spell fruit punch, but other than that, 
That looks a good looking can. It's pretty. Well, good. I wouldn't say it's a good looking can. Um, it's exactly what you think a Flavor Town spiked fruit punch would look like. I do like that they have the logo on both vertically and horizontally, Whoa. so you can see no matter what orientation the can is, you can read full clear. It's from Flavor Town. Because well, you got to think if you're if you're drinking Flavor Town, you're living an extreme lifestyle. Yeah. You don't know if your head's going to be up right side up. You might be falling out of a plane. You know, you might be doing skateboard golfing or whatever it is. Also, too, I imagine skateboard golfing. It's so that you can go like this. You know, ooh, Flavor Town is the flavor of a new generation. And then you turn this way to drink, and when you go to drink it. Label out. Or you just Although the, do like the a 90s commercial style. Oh, Sobe Tees. Extreme. Yeah. yeah. All right. I did chew off all of my nails today and I broke so I. my eight month uh, not chewing nails because it's been a stressful week and I had to do it. But we're going to try some uh, fruit punch. We're going to go to Flavortown. We're going to a one way ticket. I'm going to tilt a little into the lip of the can just to get a color profile here. It appears to be clear. Let's see. I wish I had a vessel. Okay, so that's really good. Wait, the, what is your opinion on fruit punch in general? I'm not a big fruit punch guy. Because I hate it. I um, think it's the worst fucking flavor. It's pretty gross. That's ever been manufactured by humans. It's like Hawaiian punch. It just feels like melted sugar to me. That said, this is made with real fruit, such as, and I'm going to pull out a name from the past here, Juicy Juice. And I love Juicy Juice. And Juicy Juice is You mean is one Juicy of, Fruit? No, Juicy Juice. It's a, it's a type of juice box. And uh, it was always the best. It used to be in that can, the tall can that you take the little and pop a hole in the top. And then you could pour it out like the the can key. Oh, I'm totally being mandela right now. I don't remember this at all. You don't remember Juicy Juice? No, this is what you're talking about? Yeah, dude, Juicy Juice. I don't remember that shit at all. Juicy Juice was the best juice. It was 100% juice. It was delicious. I'm sure they added sugars. Is because this it was the same a... one? The purple one with the thicker font? Yeah. That's all I remember same. that one. Yeah, that's Juicy Juice. Oh, okay. And it, it has a really good flavor, and this actually tastes like alcoholic Juicy Juice to me. Well, all I remember is the logo. I don't know if I've ever had it, but I'll try this. Dare I say, you might descend back into pure unbridled alcoholism after <laughs> after sipping this because it's that Isn't tasty. that the tagline of this <laughs> of <its> preference? <laughs> back off and take you on. That is absolutely one of the worst things I've ever had. Really? Yeah. You doubt the, you know the why? fatty. Yeah, he's going back for more. <laughs> you know why? Because I already hate that the trend of these malt-flavored beverages is to um, just throw in like a fruit flavor. But because you all you do is still taste the maltiness of the beverage. Yeah, this does and taste this very alcohol. this tastes like pretty much just straight alcohol, malt alcohol to me. I'm throwing back to the juicy because juicy juice's flavor is unique to juicy juice. Yeah. Juicy juice apple juice, the word juice makes means nothing now. The juicy juice apple juice is such a better juice than <laughs> than any other apple juice. Um, um it, and I think it's yeah. just they add sugar to it, but it's sure. it's delicious juice. And this has element. This has the element of juicy juice's flavor that I think separate. It's hard to describe. Like what separates it from your average juices. Is this one little element and that flavor profile's in there somewhere? If I drank two of these, I would feel disgusting. I but I'm had pleased. Two sips and I don't feel that good. I expected this to be absolutely terrible, and I think it's pretty good. But you're you not know what? Into it's it. not a sativa blend. It's not a sativa no. blend. Mm-mm. No, it's definitely not. Would I rather it be Sprite, just plain Sprite? Yes, 100. percent But if I'm going to drink yeah. this can that I paid like three dollars for to make your own six pack, 
It's really so much better than I expected it to be. Oh, you be. only bought the one can? Yeah, I, well, I usually do like a create-your-own-six-pack at the bottle shop. I was wondering where the other 11 of these cans oh, no, went. No. Oh, yeah, because you, you're either getting a case or you're getting yeah. one. There's no in-between because this is Guy Fieri, my friend. <laughs> I didn't realize that the Flavor Town Singles were in your neighborhood. I just It's weird that he started with Fruit Punch. I thought he was Flavor Town Singles is a great new name for a dating app. Ooh, Flavor Town Singles. <laughs> only for people you who You know are exactly into, uh... the kind of person you're going to be seeing oh, yeah. when you go to Flavor Town Singles. They're going to show up and they're gonna be like listen i don't kiss on the first date but a bones and then you bump yeah. fists because everybody's just a stoked bro and male or sharing, female you're just sharing a bunch of trash can nachos <laughs> yeah. and flavored town fruit punches Dude, uh, <laughs> tonight on food network so you will you will miss it listeners but tonight as we sit here on diners drive-ins and, and dives stogie joe's a bar on passiunk right by my house really? is gonna be on that show that's awesome i've never eaten there you know why Cash only, because I'm never there cash with cash only. in my pocket. <laughs> so it just never happens. But uh, but the thing is, he's probably stoked that it's cash only. Now, yeah, I mean, two he, he's just stoked about everything. Of our snacking feast is a, a little thing that throws back to how Stephen and I first met, which is uh, at Chili's, working together. And one of the big things yeah. at the Chili's was the... Uh, this is before my time, though. What, the Awesome Blossom? Yeah. It wasn't there when you were there? No, I think I think no. it's still there. I think it's a standby. No, it's not. All I know is two uh, circular women sat at a table once. I'm talking spherical. And each of them got their own awesome blossom. And then each of them drank the oil out of the bowl like cereal milk when they I'm were done. Throw up. I watched that happen. My flavor town all over you. <laughs> it, was, it was gnarly. So in honor of that, we do have a kettle, Harris Kettle Cooked a steakhouse fried onion with dipping sauce flavored chips. Is it is there a separate ramekin for the dipping sauce in there? It's all in one, baby. <clears throat> and so I've had the the dipping sauce and all before and let's see what it is. Let's right. see if this can yeah, let's it. do it. Let's crunch as loud as we can into the microphone. You know what? This fucking rules. I'm getting the onion. Yeah. I'm getting the dipping sauce. But most importantly, I'm getting the batter. Horseradish. Yeah, the, well, the dipping sauce was always a little bit horse. Yeah. It was like a light horseradish, but I'm getting the uh, the best part the the fried crumble that is oh, on yeah. the, the breading. It's all crumbles in here. Mm. That's good. Yeah, the onion was actually my least favorite part of that whole thing. It was crumbles, dipping sauce. I just want one more. It's, it's gonna be hard to do the podcast. I'm gonna ask with you. That's okay. Because all I've been thinking about is these chips. Well, they're here. Uh oh! Don't eat this one. It hit the floor. I thought you were going to just scoop it up and eat it. <laughs> it's no, like, I got an ashtray. Be a, a, a G about it. For my shit to eat Which is a vape pen. No. Oh. The other stuff, too. So, okay. Man, I got a, I got the kick of the horse riders. Yeah. Woo! Okay. Cause not, not the strongest kick in the world, but it's there. Every flavor, every bite was different, and that's what I like. You got to take these off the table. Yeah. If you want them back, let me know. They're down here. But, um, right on. So, yeah, so 2023, I want to say that uh, as crazy as this year has been, I think that it's been a banner year for movies, both on the large scale. You know, we got a new Michael Mann. We got a new Scorsese. We got a new... Uh, we got uh, a new Michael Mann? Yeah, Ferrari. <clears throat> oh, right. Um, we got a new... I should have uh, known because that's the only movie you've talked about in the last 12 hours. It's fucking sick. <laughs> it's so good. I'm not like big on cars, but it's fucking. Well, you great. liked um, Ford versus Ferrari. Liked Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, loved Rush. Rush. Rush yeah. is a, that's a triple feature for the ages. These three would be the best night, and it would be all dads and uncles. And you liked cars. 
I did like Cars well enough, yeah. as you know, as, as one can like Cars. Cars too, but they really fell off. But we got we got a Christopher Nolan this year. Um, we had the whole Barbie Oppenheimer Barbenheimer phenomenon. Yeah. Um, there was it was a banner year for original horror things like Talk to Me. We got a new Evil Dead movie, but we also got like a lot of really good indie shit. We got a new Alexander Payne film. We it's just been it's been a really really cool year. Sideways Two finally came out. No, The Holdovers. Oh, which does also feature Sideways's Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Um, so it's just like I, I look back and this year was really really good for movies on a cultural level, but I want to say it was also good for movies on a personal level because one we I, it's your first year co-hosting this podcast and it's been awesome. Oh my god! Yeah, you came into it towards the beginning of this year because you you partook in the January. Halfway, yeah, January. So, holy shit! Coming up on a year, man, oh and it's been god, fantastic. Dude. You know what? Also, though, I was thinking this morning, I can't believe twenty twenty was fucking four years ago. So, like, I have no concept of time, dude. Twenty twenty, the fucking pandemic happened. When we started Hot Property. Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah. Damn. Wow. Life's crazy. Which you can find at Hot Property Pod for more content of us eating food in your ears. Hell yeah, and it's content. We're not doing art. We're doing content, yeah. my friends. But uh, but on a personal level, too, this is before 2020. I remember saying, and I said out loud, my goal this year is to fly to New Orleans to cover the Overlook Fest. And I wanted oh to do God, it so bad. Oh my God, you did that. And then this year, it actually happened. Because everyone had big goals in 2020. And then 2020, it just didn't happen for anybody. But all of my goals and then some, at least in terms of this fun little creative pursuit of doing film journalism, did happen this year. I covered four festivals. I did Spring Fest. I did Overlook. I did Philadelphia Film Festival. And then also, which blew my mind that I even got accepted, I did Fantastic Fest in Austin, which was like the only fest I've ever wanted to cover. So, you know, even though this year has proven uh, to be pretty wild, uh it was also really great in that sense. So I just want to express some gratitude. Yeah, I forgot you went on to all those film fests because I had to put it out of my mind because I wasn't invited to any of them. You're always invited. Open invite. Actually, to tell you the truth, I could probably at least an overlook or certainly at uh, Philadelphia Film Festival and Spring Fest could get you in just under the guise of the podcast. What guys? We're doing it. Well, I mean, like, uh, not, not guys, but I mean, uh, just under the, uh, under the... Uh, it's all been a bit. Under the name of the uh, podcast. Yeah, didn't you know? We we actually haven't released anything. This is... Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, Anchor no is actually just a platform I built that just allows me to send one file to you, and it looks like a whole podcast network. That's crazy. So, yeah. It's so, Megan's bullshit. in on it, too, because it was her fourth uh, yes. or fifth Oh, well, podcast. I just photoshopped that image. Oh, okay. Yeah, Megan's not even real. Oh, no. That's very You ever see Simone with uh, Al Pacino? <laughs> yeah. Megan's a Simone. Okay. It took everything in my power not to make the, the G in her name a nine to suggest that she was completely digital, mm. but I figured for the sake of verisimilitude just to call her Megan for real. <laughs> also, <laughs> Megan came out this year. The oh, yeah. killer doll movie, which was oh, really yeah. a lot of fun. And there was a good uh, viral dance for that, too. Oh, yeah. A lot of virality came out of that because of yeah. Brian Jordan Alvarez. Are you familiar with him? No. He is the guy, uh, he creates characters on social media like TJ Mack, where he puts crazy warps on his face and he just does characters. He oh, was wait, in Megan. Sidim is the opposite of Stan, dude. I didn't you know? see Megan, though. I don't watch Okay, movie, well, he's though. in it. You would like Megan. It's funny. But yeah, so that's um, been my movie year. Have you felt you think... good about the movies this year? Or if you have a well, I was going to say a follow-up question. Yeah, do you think that there is, you know, because 
we look at movies sometimes and we can tell like, oh, the marketing team definitely got a hold of this film before it saw the light of day. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that now being or becoming a virility is in their minds thinking about how, what can we write? What can we do to put something in the film that will go viral? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the Megan dance was certainly designed to go viral. It does seem pretty engineered to be that way. Yeah, and, and, it, and it worked, and it was a great yeah. dance. Uh, I think that proof positive that studios do think about that now is Rebel Moon. Because oh Rebel Moon is a movie that it's uh, directed by Zack Snyder, and they released uh, the way that it, you know they released the movie on Netflix. Before it even came out, it was already announced that a director's cut, a Snyder cut, if you will, would be released in the near future before the second one comes out. Why not just... It's on Netflix. Why not just release the full cut? It, it boggles my mind, but the answer to your question is the Snyder cut was such a viral move, and it was so big that it actually got the Snyder cut completed. Like The virality of it, of just the concept of release the, the Snyder cut... Got it. like the Snyder cut. Are talking happened. about Rebel Moon or I'm just, well, I'm talking. League. I'm talking about the Snyder cut of Justice League happened, oh. and Rebel Moon is now trying to artificially create a release. They're leaning into the idea of there being a Snyder cut just to make more virality, and it worked because part of Rebel Moon's word of mouth campaign was people being like, "Can you fucking believe that there's actually a Zack Snyder cut of it coming out, and we have to wait for that? Why didn't they just release the whole thing?" And it's, well, because they could piss you off by saying that the full movie comes out later and then I... cause everyone to double dip. It's different from the Snyder Cut in that, you know, the Snyder Cut was a, there was like a, a grassroots movement that went viral and ended up getting it finished and released. But this is just, they knew how viral that was. And just to get the word Snyder Cut in, they didn't release the R-rated cut. It's just a move to get this... a double dip. This brings me to my number 18 film of the year. Oh, because, God. yes, I have seen only 18 new movies this year. So 18 actually puts you at the absolute... It's just the the worst movie you saw this year. It doesn't even make your top 18. It's your bottom one. You're going to you're gonna see that once I breach the top 10, that's when the movies become good. Well, I clipped it at 15. Okay. And so I let figured, me just run I through. I we would get into some honorable mentions later. But yeah. we could also just drop a couple honorable mentions at the top. These aren't honorable mentions, though. Let me. So oh, let me oh this is the bottom. Okay. Yeah, these are because I can only sample the eighteen that I've had. So there's gonna be some stinkers. Uh, I'd like to get up to number fourteen, which I think you'll agree that these are all stinkers. Uh, okay. Rebel Moon, number eighteen. The only Wait. reason. Oh, I thought you were gonna go on to the next one. I want. I have words about Rebel Moon, but go ahead. The only reason that I. Because I told you for a while, Fast X flat out is this is gonna be not my last yeah. movie. The only reason that I didn't do that is, and I wrote a note here, Rebel Moon, with such a brilliant world built, why don't I care about any of the characters? Fast X, I only care about the characters because of the previous nine installments. So there's there's a easy way to put these two films in the same vein as me, because they're both fucking stupid, they're both really ridiculous, and I, at the end of it, realized I'd wasted two and a half of my own life hours mm. watching them. The minuscule amount of a uh, minuscule amount of care that I have uh, for the Fast X characters, as they are in Fast X, above the Rebel Moon characters, you could fit a credit card between, and that's about it. <laughs> so what you're saying is, when Fat when Rebel Moon Two comes out, they I will might never bump up ahead no. Fast X. What I'm saying is that I will never waste another second <laughs> looking at anything Rebel Moon related. 
Fair enough. See, I I uh I didn't love Rebel Moon, but I didn't hate it. Um, oh, I, I am I, I am angry. a Snyder apologist in a lot of ways. I think that Man of Steel is brilliant. I, agree. I think that I, that's like my favorite superhero mm-hmm. movie. Um, I and actually the Snyder cut proved to actually be. I I wish they were able to go through with that. I really enjoy the Snyder cut. It's cool. even though I hated basically besides um the Superman movie, oh, yeah. Man of Steel. Um, besides that, I really hated everything about the DC universe except for the Snyder cut. So like. And I love 300. And I even oh, like yeah. Sucker Punch to an extent. I like Sucker Punch. I'm a Zack Snyder apologist as well. Oh, Dawn of the Dead but was impossible and he pulled shit it off. was so bad. Like his, it's a mess. I will give fucking, it that. Let's and I talk agree. The really characters were, about... were paper thin. And again, if the Snyder cut of it ever comes out, the characters are probably better. And it's like, why don't why why would you not release that full cut? Because I agree. I, I couldn't name you a single character. I couldn't tell you a single character's trait. I do know that uh, one lady has laser swords. Did you read my uh, review on Letterboxd? Oh, yeah. It's the only one that I wrote. Yeah, I, that's why I read it. Two um, stars. And, uh, where do I find my review? Oh, I got to sign in again. Got to sign in. Well, I'll just say this. Uh, I agree that Rebel Moon is a mess. I was able to enjoy it uh, partially because I watched it on Christmas and just kind of needed to, to zone out at that, yeah. at that point. Um, but if you can't get behind... Laser sword wielding Duna Bay oh, I can... fighting Arachno Jenna Malone. I mean, you gotta love that. Oh, that yeah, was yeah, fucking yeah. badass. That was good. I think there's a lot of imagination on display, which is a lot of mi- mileage for me. That said, it's so derivative that it's even that's a hard defense to mount. I wrote in a world where you need to be either first or better. Snyder achieves neither, <laughs> shamelessly exposing every piece of referential material he ripped off along the way. It would have been a good Star Wars. It was. You could, it even was, the yeah. fucking. They even took. I mean, laser and this swords. is the weirdest scene in the movie for me. They took the um, scene in the Phantom Menace where someone needs to do something to win their freedom from slavery. Otherwise, everybody involved becoming a slave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, y'all motherfuckers just met. And if I'm one of the people that also just met this person who is now putting my life up for stake, oh, basically, yeah. be like, uh, excuse me. I got a few fucking issues with this. I also didn't believe when that guy's like, yeah, if he can tame this beast, I'll give him away. And it was like, no slave owner on the planet is getting rid of their slave. And <laughs> it's just not happening. The fucking... That whole sequence was fucking nonsense, and it went on for way too long to the point where I stood up off of my seat. And I was like, <laughs> I was by myself, and this really did happen. I stood up off of my seat and put my hands to my head like the Jackie Chan meme, and yeah, yelled, yeah. what is the point of this sequence? Dude, I had the same feeling, because I, I thought it was a very well-executed action sequence, but when that ended, I was like, why did we spend 20 minutes here? Every vignette is just fine, and but when you put them together, it makes no fucking sense. There was one thing, and this is actually one of Zack Snyder's issues that I will I will call out. It happened in... Um, in the uh, in both cuts of Batman versus Superman, there's a part where Perry White at the end of a scene is like, Kent, where does Kent ever run off to? And then it moves to the next scene. Cinematic logic dictates that the next scene is the answer to that question, mm-hmm. where Clark Kent is. And it's just not. It's just a different scene entirely. No. And in Rebel Moon, they were like, oh, him? He's a prisoner on the warrior gladiator fighting planet of blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, I guess we have to go there. And I'm like, well, here we go. This is going to be a gladiator battle for the ages. And then they don't even go to the stadium. No. 
It's like I'm like, why, why would tell, you do that? And like, I wish I wish I had known that Netflix did this before I watched it. They released a online um, compendium, like a uh, what do you call those things? Like a side, yeah, just additional like a guide. material. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Clippy, hand, Clippy hand, comes hand, up on screen and tells you handbook. Yeah. The website's so fucking broken. <laughs> no. That like not you, it's like one of those like parallax scrolling things. Yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah. It there's no like scrolling. It, everything just moves and undulates through it. No, it's like clipping. It's like fucking breaking. It's all this fucking nonsense. And it's on GeoCities. Um. Yeah. It, said, it did say. It did say. Uh, whatever the fuck the name of this movie is. GeoCities. <laughs> it's on Angel Fire. So yeah. it's like really just yeah. It's a mess. Um. All right. Let's not waste yeah, too much not time this on the, the fucking Rebel Moon thing. yeah. Um, 16 is Rise of the Beasts, Transformers. Oh, I didn't see that, but I kind of want to, but I'm two Transformers behind. I didn't see Bumblebee. You don't have to. Yeah, but I, I like, if I'm going to watch any Transformers movie, I guess I should watch all of them. It was complete shit. Yeah. Um, I know Anthony that it, Ramos spoiler turns alert. into Iron Man and then G.I. Joe fucking. G. I. Uh, yeah, that's the G.I. Joe is the thing that, and that excites me, but then I still haven't seen Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes is pretty good. It looks cool. Yeah. And I like Henry Golding. I think he should play Bond. Uh, Ant-Man Quantumania is number 15 because it was fucking drivel and Majors was in it. That was my <laughs> least favorite movie this year, I think. Yeah. I, I really hated that movie. That's what's sad. Like, I think the Marvels actually looks like it might be decent, but Ant-Man was so bad that I, I was like, believe... I'm waiting till I can watch the Marvels at home. This is the first year... I didn't see... That the fuck... That I didn't see all the Marvel movies. Yeah. Dude, I didn't see... Yeah. I mean, I saw Blue Beetle because I had to, re- to review it for DC... Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't see Marvel. Marvel's, I heard Blue Beetle was pretty good. It was all right. Yeah. It was like well, a I will thing. watch the Marvels, but I was waiting for it to come on streaming. Oh, and that's the thing. Like, I'm still going to watch the Marvel movies yeah. as they come out, but like, I used to make sure that I saw it opening weekend I and then it was, devote... I just want to see it on the big screen. And now like, they consistently look better on my phone. So like, I, yeah. I'll watch them and like Aquaman too. I, I, I'll if watch I that at didn't... home. I'll tell you what, if I didn't have to, even though the theater for me is like right down the way, mm. if I didn't have to get in my car, drive there, sit through half an hour of trailers, pretty much waste an entire afternoon watching a movie that I know I'm disappointed in, I'd much rather have the freedom to start watching it at home oh, yeah. to where if I see, okay, I'm not enjoying this, I can either wait till later, wait till later to watch it. Or just fucking call it a day. Yeah, and not have spent you know, $20. You only yeah. spent five bucks. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and it's one of those things where like, there tried to be a pushback like, oh, people went out for Quantum Mania, but they didn't come out for Marvels because like they don't see lady superheroes, and it's like I'm not saying that's not a thing. No, but it's like in this not case, for us anyway. Yeah, I, I, but I mean, I like I'm sure it's a thing. I mean, you see people push back against stuff, and it's like, why are you pushing back? Who gives a shit? Like, why, why do you, why do you care that it's a lady superhero? Just enjoy it. Um, but at the same time, I think that this was less affected by misogyny and much more affected by the fact that we are all finally completely tired of the Marvel product. Yeah. Of the superhero product, because DC's and over the too. the fact that Kang, this big bad, got beaten by a bunch of ants, I almost walked out of the theater. If yeah. I wasn't, you know, with some good company, I would have walked out of that theater. That was me. No, I didn't see it with you. Did you see it with me? No. Oh, no. Okay. No. Well, well, fine then. <laughs> um... 
for number 14 is Renfield. <clears throat> oh, I saw that at Overlook. Which, after we talked, you kind of convinced me it really wasn't a very good movie. It wasn't great. I mean, I had a fun Again, time Again, the company was the, yeah. was the get there. Well, I think Nick Cage as Dracula, the way he played him, that is inherently funny, and he does a good job. I th- that was the that was why I went to the movie. That's the, that's why that's why and Nicholas Holt every single person and <clears throat> Nicholas Holt as the titular Renfield <clears throat> was fantastic. So why was the movie about Aquafina and her dad? I gave absolutely no fucking shits about her character at any point during the movie, and I was like, I was here for the Renfield story, and his is a B plot. To her trying to be a better cop and bond with the memory of her of her deceased father, I was like, "What are we doing here?" I don't remember that part exactly. Yeah, it that was most of the movie. Huh. I couldn't believe that that's what they focused on. But, you know, it was a I I enjoyed the movies. Either way, May number fourteen. That's what'll happen. Number I'm, thirteen, we're gonna disagree on. What well, do wait, you got? I have to do. <clears throat> when do you start? 15? I actually, um, I, I'm starting at fifteen. Okay. I this is all the movies that I eliminated on the back here. It's a full page of I saw a lot of stuff this year, but my number fifteen was and I don't know if you saw this. Well, but, hang on before we get into this. There's gonna be a lot of movies that Dan is pretty much gonna rattle a lot of information about because I haven't seen it and I probably haven't heard of anybody in it. I think a lot of these you will have. I know you've got some deep cuts on there though. I've got a lot of deep yeah. cuts because I did. Because here's the thing. Uh, when it comes to uh, my end of year list, I'm not precious about whether the movie got wide release or not. I know people hem and haw like, well, you saw that at a festival. It's not out yet. I don't care because I'm going to talk about it. And when it does come out, you'll go see it. It doesn't matter. What the fuck am I going to hem and haw about now? Well, pe- well people always like in the film world, uh, film <laughs> critics are like, well, technically that doesn't come out till 2024. You just saw it early at a festival. If I saw it at a festival, I saw it in 2023. It counts. Well, then my best of the year is Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, but I, it's just it, what it comes down to is just like these are the movies that I'm excited to talk about. And if you ask me my top 15 tomorrow, it could be totally different. It probably will be. Yeah, you know, so it is what it is. But my number 15 is Poor Things, the uh, Yorgos Lanthimos movie. It is a Frankenstein story. It's insanely funny, but I was uh, profoundly moved by it. Um, the idea of. Uh, Emma Stone, sorry, I was Emma, Emma Thompson, Emma Watson, Emma Stone. Um, Emma Stone's character, she is an adult woman's body, but with a new brain in her head. Because uh, uh, mad scientist Willem Dafoe decides he's going to take this, this dead woman and bring her back to life. And he puts a new brain, so she is a child in an adult's body who's maturing very fast. So she goes from being barely able to speak to being a fully independent woman in the course of, you know, a month or two. I forget what the time frame was. And she goes out into the world. And when she goes out into the world, because she is a brand new person, the only thing that she knows about is curiosity and honesty. And as such, she ends up becoming this very forthright, uh, uh, she's almost like, like the first feminist in this era, because it's, I forget what the era is, but it is long before. It looks Victorian-ish. Yeah, it's like yeah. kind of Victorian-ish. And so her pure honesty and pure curiosity leads her to just be generally pleasant all the time. And it drives the men in her life absolutely insane because they can't control her. It's hilarious. I would say it's Mark Ruffalo's career best performance. That's good for him. He's <clears throat> damn good at it. He's really funny. I love funny. Ruffalo. And yeah, he's overall, from my area. Just, is he really? I think he lives there now. Maybe he's not from there. Hey, that's cool. Yeah, he's uh he's one of the best, and I think that his role is it's absolutely manic. It's insane. He's insane. Their pressers, which I saw a few of, they mm-hmm. they're really fun together. 
Emma Thompson Watson Stone and oh yeah and uh, Hugh Hefner. Hugh Honey <laughs> Big Vinegar. Well, and I think what it, what also is what cool about it Mark is Ruffalo. Uh, Mark Where, Ruffalo. Where's Hugh, Hugh Honey? Hugh, <laughs> Hugh Honey and Big Vinegar. Oh, Hugh Jackman. Um, not a big year for him. Um, Next year will be. Yeah, he had, he had his divorce first. And yeah. so now we're Did just had, wondering when he's going to come he out of the closet. He also had nose cancer. Did he? He had a melanoma issue in his nose. Oh, yeah. no. And then he had to get jacked for Deadpool 3. Deadpool, yeah. Which at his age is going to take a little longer than he used to. Take a little bit. He's going to yeah. have to, you know... Do some, uh, he's gonna have Probably to steroids. do some Stallones, yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, but poor things. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos is a filmmaker that I really, really love. Um, this is him at his most whimsical, it's less fucked up and scary, despite being really fucked up at points. But it's very funny. Shades of Terry Gilliam, uh, shades of uh, uh, uh kind of remind me at points of this movie, Hard to Be a God. It's just it's fantastic. Terry Gilliam so was like fun. the the flavor I was getting from yeah from the movie from the trailers anyway. Very <laughs> Gilliam inspired, but very still very Yorgos Lanthimos and Emma Emma Stone produced. So it was like her doing a, a project that she was passionate about, yeah. and you can tell she, it's like it's one of those movies that like caters to her strengths certainly by choice and allows her to like. I've always liked her, but I didn't think she was great. And after Poor Things, I was like, she's. She's actually better than I, I ever gave her credit for. So for these movies that I haven't seen that you have, which are all, you know, I won't have and haw about it, but they're all probably the movies that are going to be targeted for the big awards. Nice, yeah. Um, do, are we on Oscar watch for anything in this film? Um, I think he would probably get a Best Picture nomination and a uh, Best Director nomination. Um, maybe an adapted screenplay. I think that Emma Stone will certainly be nominated, uh, especially because she's already previously won. Um, and Lanthimos, you know, he's got he's got a little bit of that Oscar push. You know, if you get in one year, it doesn't matter what you make next year; yeah. it's getting nominated. And so he's still a, only a couple years out from uh, Olivia Coleman winning Best Actress for The Favorite. Yeah. So like, I think that it's the kind of thing that like, yeah, he's he's a, an Academy favorite as a, as like, oh, the weird entry. So nothing for Rough Man. Um, personally, even, even though it's a career performance, nothing for the rough. I would, I would nominate him for sure, but I don't have confidence in the uh, in the Academy. Okay. T- Although I will say this: when Olivia Coleman won, I couldn't believe it because when I saw the favorite, I said, "If the Academy had any balls, this is the kind of performance that would get Best Actress." But she would never be nominated, not in a million years, and she won. Well, the thing is, like, there's a, like, a big. We won't talk about the Oscars this much, but my last point is that. Maestro's not on my list. There's so we won't a have big, a well, there's a big call to the Oscars, like stop fucking blowing out all of your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like get some original shit in there. Let's pride these performances that take more risks, and instead of like the, this is kind of gonna negate what I just said, but like the Victorian movie starring Helen Mirren, that's gonna Aaron Lynn, yeah, that's yeah. gonna get her an Oscar. You know, like yeah, yeah. let's do some more fun stuff. Well, with, with Parasite sweeping that one year. Yeah, that, that was, was like, like a big sea change. Well, the, I think the fulcrum was when La La Land almost beat Moonlight. And yeah, yeah, was, yeah, and that was like the the peak of the hashtag Oscar So White thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then the fucking the flub made it look like uh, we yeah, gave yeah. it to the white Oscar. We gave it to the white movie, and, but, and, and a movie that wasn't undeserving of it. But Moonlight's the better movie. But if they had given it to a movie that just self-elates Hollywood, that oh, would have yeah. been the fucking crux. For it would have been insane. Yeah. yeah, man. 
It, yeah, that would have been yeah. really <laughs> wild. No, 100%. That, that was one of my favorite Oscar moments because I loved that the producer of La La Land, who was holding the Oscar, did not sour face, did nothing, no. and just said, it is my honor to be able to present this to And he Moonlight. was like very insistent. like, we're not fucking around. You need to get up here. Come on. Oh, the only, and, the other, knowing that they only have a few minutes to say oh, what yeah. they needed to say, like, you need to hurry up. Let's I'm go. Come on. I'm stealing your speech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was so cool. And they were pulling for each other throughout the whole awards season. Yeah. It was those, very Those were the two best classy. movies of that year, I think. Oh, yeah. Ex- oh, oh, except yeah. for Whiplash. Was that that year? Uh, no, because no, Whiplash was the yeah. same, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, heard. Uh, so I'll do my 14, and then we can go back to tossing back and forth. Uh, number 14 is the movie that won the Palme d'Or at uh, Cannes this year, Anatomy of a Fall. I heard that was good. Dude, oh my god. Uh, Sandra Huller is, is her name, uh, the star, and she plays a woman who is having tough times with her husband, and then he suffers a fall out the upstairs window of their house and hits the ground and dies. And now the the French government is like, well, she pushed him, right? And we don't actually ever get to know whether she pushed him or whether he just fell. And the case is pretty even either way, but it's the story of her court proceeding as well as the history of her and her husband's split. And it is... I mean, the acting is is phenomenal. The soundtrack is phenomenal. Uh, I would rather die than ever have my life at the mercy of a French court. I will tell you that much. Uh, But there's a scene in the middle of the movie that shows a big blowout fight between her and her now-deceased husband. And it is one of the most realistic depictions of domestic dispute I've ever seen. Wow. And it it goes on for a while. And it's just, she proved that she's like truly a GOAT actress. I'm going to put a question mark next to this on my list of movies on your recommendation. Okay. But yeah. It's a TV one. Ah, there you go. Anatomy of a Fall, though. Highly recommend. I think you'd like it. It's it's heavy. Uh, it's yeah, it's on the list. It's good. Uh, and in the in the soundtrack, there is a steel drum cover of Fifty Cent's P.I.M.P. and it is so good. That song features a steel drum. Yeah, but it's the full song. In, oh, okay. It's like a, a steel drum band plays the whole song. It's it's stellar. It's so good. I have to look. The that husband I'll, plays uh, it loud just to I piss watch. her off while she's at home. But it's like one of those things where like you're like, man, that is fucked up. That's a bop, though. All right. I'll That's a bop. Up. No cap. My number 13 is The Killer. Oh, right on, right on. That's going to come up a little recent later. recent episode of that. Um, I didn't like it. Yeah. It but was it's, boring. It's your number 13. Yeah. <laughs> I love how because... 13 out of... Out of 18. 18. <laughs> that because of this, your fulcrum's in the middle, whereas yeah. I have... All of mine are going to be movies that I liked. Well, we'll we, I'll say... We're going to meet in the middle room. around, uh, you know, honestly, probably number six. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair <clears> enough. <throat> Do you have anything else you want to say about The Killer that we didn't cover in our episode? No. Fair enough. Still kind of hungover from that movie. There you go. Um, where are we at now? 12? 12. Alright, number 12, and I know this will come up later, so I don't have to go too deep into it, but uh, Oppenheimer. Wow, that low, huh? Yeah, Oppenheimer is... I'll, wait, I'll save it, I'll save it. Oh, wait, did we say 12? Yeah, 12. I, I didn't do 13. Oh, alright, I went first, sorry. Yeah. yeah, so you're 13. Well, so then we'll be able to skip it, but uh, my 13 was Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, did really? you end up watching that? So, that's my number 11. Okay. But only because... Uh, and I wrote a note here. I fell asleep and then got busy at work today. What I saw was good. It's damn good. I'll tell you exactly where I stopped. Because um, I was like already doing the fucking eyelid dance. Yep. And oh, I was yeah. like, all right. 
There's a really intense scene where Martin Scorsese's. Well, I don't know why I said it like that. Scorsese. He's Mar- from Dead Where Mar- Martin Scorsese said, um, Marvelous cunt. Talking to Leo. Not Martin Scorsese. He's not in it yeah, until the sorry, very last Robert scene. Robert De Niro, who yeah. plays Martin Scorsese. Scorsese actually does show up in the very last scene. He likes to cameo yeah. in his movies, and he does show up. Robert De Niro but he just does not got speak done spanking Leo DiCaprio. <laughs> Literally spanking. In a very intense scene. Oh, yeah. That will not do it justice by saying that Robert De Niro was spanking Leo DiCaprio. And then um, I, I stopped it as they kicked the door to the detective's house down to beat the hell out of him. So like about uh, halfway okay. through is what we're looking at. You're going to want to finish it. I know. Um, I just didn't have the fucking time or the mental capacity to actually feel. Because I, I, like I said. It's a I, lot of movie. I respected and liked what I saw last night. And I, it's got to be a sit down moment for me. It's, it's yeah. one that I was glad I saw in the theater just because I didn't have the excuse to, to dip out. Yeah. Uh, I did have to pee. Um, but I will say about Killers of the Flower Moon, about two years ago, I read the book that it's based on. And the book is a historical text. So it doesn't really have like a through line narrative following any one character. It's just about what happened and how the Osage murders led to the rise of the FBI and how just the tale as old as time is, you know, the, the indigenous population strikes gold and then the whites go, well, it's actually our gold. Uh, black and gold. And the fucked up thing is that they start the movie out with that the indigenous people had the rights to the oil, and that's why they were all so rich. And then all these fucking white men come in out of the woodwork and start marrying all the women. Yep. And like, Insidious as fuck. And like introducing all of these new immune deficiencies to make them sick around them, not realizing that they're doing it, but not helping them not die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And De Niro like, I get the is sense so that, uh, fucking sinister. The two leads actually are in some weird way in love with one another, even though he's completely taking advantage of her. It's fucked up. And like I, like, to that point, I thought the worst we would ever see Leo play a bad guy would be in like, I guess Django Unchained, but like Wolf of Wall Street is what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot he was really he's more sinister in Django, but yeah. this is a good second place um, because uh, he's he's just fucking stupid and greedy. Yep. So even if he is, he's stupid. Yeah, he's kind of he dumb. Is in love with that girl. He doesn't realize that what he's doing is detrimental because he compartmentalizes it into right now I'm with her, so I'm in love, and then he's fucking on the side with De Niro talking like the plan for the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't think, and don't spoil it for me. I don't think that there's going to be an intersection that we like in this movie. If I know Scorsese. <laughs> if I know the history of the white man uh, moving yeah. west in America. No, and I, I think that's a that's an interesting point to make because one of the things that fucked me up about that movie is the idea of, especially with DiCaprio's character, he is kind of dumb. And the reason why he's doing what he's doing, you know, I'm not going to say it's not evil, but I don't even think he thinks that deep. He's doing it because that's what you do. Yeah. That's what it is. We're the whites. That's what you do. And like that's so much more insidious than someone coming out there and being like, we're going to take all these engines and take them out. Instead, it's just like, oh, yeah, they're great. I love them. And all their stuff should be mine because that's just the way it is. When De Niro That's the starts, truth of life. And it's like, uh, that's fucking so scary. When De Niro starts singing it like an indigenous song. Oh, yeah. Like, I know, like, they kind of take a page out of Yorgos's book where they, like, pan back and then just linger on him doing that. And it makes me, like, really uncomfortable. Yeah. And... Actually, no, not not Logan Moe's fucking... Um, wait, did he do Midsummer? 
Mitsuru? No, uh, Ari Aster did. Ari Aster, that's what I was thinking about. Like, that whole scene reminded me Lanthimos of Lanthimos does Midsummer. do stuff with zooms like that, though. It was so yeah. uncomfortable. It was yeah. the, And I, like, I felt it. And like it was a very good cinematic um, feeling that was projected onto me. Even though I hated it, I respected the work. It was the, the intended the effect. Yeah, that's what to they wanted like, me to do. Ah. Yeah. I, uh, but the point I was making about the book is that it's a book without a main character narrative. And so the way that they were able to adapt it into a movie that follows a character through, I thought was fascinating. Yeah. Because in the book, it's not really... It, it's not a mystery, but they don't really... Uh, you know, it's about trying to figure out who's behind the murders. Whereas in the movie, and like you read it and you're like, well, it's obviously the richest white guy in town. You know, like, of course. Yeah. Um, but the in the movie. The one who lives so far away. Yeah. That's, the rest yeah. of the fucking town. But everyone respects him because yeah. he's the, even though he's evil. And uh, and the movie found a way of of completely wiping that reveal out and just having you know right off the bat that he's just a fucker up to no good. Yeah. And still managed to make it like a super compelling narrative. And I had the thought. And this is not a spoiler, and you won't even know who one of these people is. But I'm watching that movie, and I was like, you know what? This movie is so perfect. The only thing that could make it better is if, like, Jack White and Larry Fessenden showed up out of nowhere. And just as I had that thought, Jack White and Larry Fessenden show up out of nowhere. This looks like a movie that Jack White would be a part of. He shows up. He actually cameos alongside Scorsese. But I won't say in what capacity if you haven't seen it. But listeners who know... Uh, know that it, the, the end of Killers of Flower Moon is like such a tremendous flourish. It's unbelievable what he pulls off, especially just in terms of the conversation of like entertainment made off of real life suffering. It's it's fucking phenomenal what he pulls off. Interesting. Yeah, I'm very excited to finish it. Yeah, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. And so then, yeah, so you did your 13. I already did my 12, and my 12 was Oppenheimer. Should I get into it, or do you want to do your 12 first? My 12 is Creed three. Oh, right on. Yeah. What do you want to say about Creed 3? Well, we already talked about it. Yeah, that's true. You know, it was a great movie and uh, way too method, apparently, because Majors is a fucking cockbag and I I feel duped. I feel really fucking. This one hurts. Yeah, it hurts. I fucking. Because when people. When Lovecraft Country first came out, Mm. I was like, you gotta go see this fucking show. I, this guy Jonathan Majors, he's the next big thing. I tell you, and you were right. And I and I hate that I was right because now look at this. Yeah, but you, you know? didn't do, you didn't hit anybody. That's true. That's him. I want to hit him. Yeah, but I'd be also be scared to do that. I want you to take none of the responsibility of what has happened to Majors on your back, Steve. Please okay. don't do that because I Have assure you, you yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't thinking about you when he abused like, his, uh, his uh, girlfriend. Back. Yeah, it's uh, that was that wasn't you. I know. I, I think as a uh, a directorial debut for uh, Michael B. Jordan, it is. It's like jaw dropping. Maybe he called the future too. He's like, hmm, I need a, I need a criminal. I need a good villain that knows how to act like he just got out of jail. Hmm. How about this guy, Jonathan Majors? Not knowing that war with the world. In ten years, Jonathan Majors will be getting out of jail and leaning upon Michael B. Jordan's car outside the gym, asking for a job. Is he actually going to jail? Yeah, he's going to jail for like ten years. Is he really? Mm I didn't follow it so deep because, like, you know... I'm sure there's going to be appeal on appeal on appeal. Yeah, probably yeah, going to yeah. cut down to, like, two. I didn't realize that... Like, I knew that the charges were that he he was rough and violent, which oh, yeah. didn't surprise me. I didn't realize it was so much so that he would get ten years. That's there was a meme wild. with that scene from Creed Three, and the caption was, uh, when Majors gets back out of jail. <laughs> oh, you sent me that, where he's yeah, on yeah, the yeah. car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that, was, that uh, scene could play out in real life because the thing is like, you can get off my car. He's like, you don't remember me, do you? We made a movie right before <laughs> yeah. I went to jail. <laughs> I beat you yeah. in, in, the, in the movie. So and, like, where's the, what's the sequel? 
Where are we doing yeah, a sequel? Honestly, at? though, if Jonathan Majors did the work, you know, I'm not in a position where I would be the one who whose forgiveness is needed, and I probably wouldn't grant it to him. But if he did the work enough that the studio felt comfortable bringing Dame back as a villain in a future Creed movie, I wouldn't watch it. I'm watching it. I wouldn't watch it. <laughs> but here's the other thing. No. I don't care what happens in any Creed movie. I'm watching it because the Rocky series is my favorite, even though Rocky's not in it anymore. That's my favorite franchise. If that and Back to the Future. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, I, I can't keep talking about it. I shouldn't. So but, my um, eleven was Killers of Flower Moon. Well, so you're eleven. No, my twelve. I just want to say 12. about Oppenheimer because we never uh, really got into well, it. We can get to it when I. We'll get okay. Yeah. I'll just say this: uh, one of the coolest things in the world is, uh, and you don't have it anymore, is when you see a movie on film. And there's a quiet point in the movie, and you can hear the projector going. I love that. Yeah, that best feeling in the world. And I got that during the silence before the explosion in IMAX of Oppenheimer, and it's one of my favorite things that's ever happened. It was my favorite film moment of uh, my top three favorite film moments of the year. When it like goes quiet and you see the visuals, (laughs) but you hear the projector in the back of the IMAX theater clicking away with its reel, I was like, man, this is an extreme rarity. This is an extreme rarity. I believe I was with three other people, and we all jumped when that happened. Nice. It was a fun moment. It's so, <laughs> it's just a remarkable movie. I, I, I really think that Nolan outdid himself on a craft perspective, on a storytelling perspective, and I think that unless, unless the Ken train keeps rolling the way that it's rolling, I think Robert Downey Jr. will be receiving an Oscar for Best Supporting. And I'm currently rooting for Killian Murphy to get Best Actor for playing a loppy yeah i think that it's it's gonna be him versus b coops and maestro's good end, but oppenheimer's great i didn't want to watch maestro it's good I i've think seen you'd like one it actually, bradley cooper musical i don't need to see another. i didn't one. like a star is born that much i loved maestro i think you would actually okay, quite I'll like check it. it out <clears throat> um so number 11 for me is case flower moon number 11 for you number 11 for me is a film that i saw at the philadelphia film festival called red rooms Red Rooms is the story of a young woman who has become sort of a fangirl of a serial killer that's currently on trial. She sits in on the trial and watches it. She goes home and she researches it. And as the movie develops, you start to recognize that she's like doing some dark web shit adjacent to it. The film is mostly a comment on how we engage with true crime. I'm a big true crime fan. But occasionally I'll be listening to something and then I will realize like, oh, that's an actual child who is like strangled, you know, like that's fucked up. And I'm just sitting here listening to this and then getting an ad for stamps.com, you know, like it's like, and so, and you know, I think that to me, and I, I always defend it by saying that with, with true crime, it speaks to those of us that, that like gallows material, whether it be gallows humor or just like dark shit, because I think it's a way of just like, purging dark interests and i think that's healthy yeah you know uh, repression always leads to rot in any form even dark impulses but there's a healthy and unhealthy and a safe and unsafe way of getting those out so i think a lot of people listen to true crime because they go they, they put themselves in the situation of like could i survive that would i get out of this or can i solve this if it's unsolved it feels proactive even though you're just listening to a podcast or watching a documentary on netflix a lot and, of it for me is uh Thank God that ain't me. <laughs> Honestly, that too. There's certain times where they'll say something. Like, I'll be listening to the last podcast on the left, and they'll drop like, That's a, exactly a, a real moment. Yeah. And I go, fuck, man. That is... I am so glad that I have heat. Like, right now, they're doing the the uh, you know the movie Alive, 
uh, about the yeah. Uruguayan. They're doing a three part series on those guys getting trapped in the mountains and resorting to cannibalism. Oh, man, that movie and every time I listen kid. to it, I have a blanket on because I'm like, they're so cold and I'm so warm. I'm so lucky. But Red Rooms is about that. But the reason why Red Rooms makes my list is because midway through the movie, there's a scene where one character turns towards the camera and makes direct eye contact with the camera. And it's he's looking at the lead character, but we're seeing it through her eyes. And there's a sound... Oh, I got chills thinking about it. There's a sound hit that sounds like some sort of modified scream built into the score that when he turns, it hits. And I had a physical response of just like... Like full-on heebie-jeebies. And everyone in the theater felt it. It was terrifying. And I have not had a movie actually give me a physical fear sensation like that in a long time. So the movie itself might not hold up to a rewatch. I think it will. But even if it doesn't, like it makes my list just for that. Mm. Red Rooms. Seek it out. I think it's going to be on Shutter soon. Seek it out. It was... It's something, man. It is something. If I ever... <clears throat> and this is to anybody listening. If I ever subscribe to Shutter, kill me because I'm an imposter. No. Too you, you would like Shudder because a lot of it's not uh, not fully scary. It's like fun horror. For me, there is no such thing. You don't watch like a Jason movie and just laugh at, the, you know, he's titties no. are flying, knives are stabbing. The no. acting is terrible. It's still but it still too just visceral. Uh, okay, fair enough. I can feel it happening to me. Yeah, fair enough. And it sucks. You're the biggest empath I know, and I love you for it. I hate it. Um, number 10 for me is... You uh, did your 11? Yeah, Phil okay. is a flower moon. Okay, I, I just have lost track of the numbers because of the I fresh think, sativa, which I'd love to see again. I think, oh, it's in the... Uh... No, it's right there. Oh, right. <laughs> That's fresh sativa. Yeah. My number ten is the Spider Verse movie. That didn't. That's that would be in my honorable mentions. It was yeah. awesome. I loved it. It was great. I love. I'm a sucker for the animation style, and the story was like I didn't know how they would expand upon the great story that we had in 2018. Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, it had to be pre-pandemic. Um. So, because I was ordering Domino's still at the time, and that's what I, <laughs> that's what I ate during the first Spider Verse movie. Um, fucking, but yeah, I didn't know how they would push that story without making it seem like, well, I guess we're all back together again because yeah, yeah, yeah. the same fucking thing happened. But like the fact that they pushed it into this like secret society that Miles was not a part of. And then twisting it into and like, I want to be a part of so bad. I know, I would love oh to be a secret God. spider soldier. I want to be a Come secret on. spider. And then twisting it into like, honestly though, you shouldn't even exist to be continued. Like I thought that was a really cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just really great movie. I was glued to my seat and I had a great time. I think that these two animated Spider-Man movies are the only thing that has given the Sam Raimi Spider-Man to a run for its money as the best Spider-Man movie. It also makes me realize I saw most of these movies with the same like three or four people. That's cool, year, which is great. Yeah, Honestly, it's I making that. me it's making me happy re- reliving oh, these yeah. memories. Yeah, that's that criticism. Jeez, we I think we might have to take a break. Okay. It's- Hey everybody, it's Dan. Uh, just checking in to remind you to follow the show at Movie Movie Cast on all of the things. 
Uh, we recorded this very long episode in four parts, and uh, we didn't have any tech issues, but we did have to stop to uh, load the file, so there will be some breaks coming up uh, later in the episode. They will be denoted with a sound effect, and you can just ignore it. We'll pick up where we left off. Anyway, Happy New Year, enjoy the episode, and follow the show at Movie Movie Cast, as well as our other show, Hot Property, at Hot Property Pod on all of the things. I love you. say this about will smith and this is a truth that i believe to be 100 percent true he was definitely definitely high on cocaine at the oscars oh most people that go to the oscars 100%. are high on cocaine 100 percent. and you know what happened some tensions that were happening at home that were probably at at his level minor when she looked over at him they bubbled up while he was coked up he was just laughing i've seen so many people that are coked up on a night where they know something, like he knew he was going to win Best Actor, it was locked. Yeah. So like he was feeling great, and then a whole bunch of weird things came to a head, and he was coked up, so he had to hit a guy. <laughs> it's just like I have seen the the crazy cokehead go from this is the best thing ever to I need to stab someone in the next ten minutes because that's the correct thing. Yeah. I've seen that happen so many times. Why wouldn't it happen? To untouchable Will Smith at the Oscars when he knows he's going to win. And we know that for the last decade, he has been trying so hard and and failing embarrassingly at trying to get an Oscar. Everyone's like, "Just just go do your blockbusters. You're great at that. But he is a good actor. And then he proved it. He was great in King Richard and he won. He's acted like he's been in a stable marriage for how many years? Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Did we record that or? Yeah, that was all all on there. Cool, cool, cool. We're back. Sorry, we had some technical issues, and uh, then we also wanted to eat some more chips and uh, smoke some more fresh sativa. So I want to say this about (laughs) Spider-Man before we move on. The scene, the chase scene up the space train that's shooting into the sky, I said this in my review, and I'll say it here. That is the most innovative action sequence in terms of like building a brand new set piece than the highway sequence in The Matrix Reloaded. And you know, like that was as game changing as that. I think it reminded me <clears throat> of if they had kind of taken the changing scene, like the changing universe scene from Multiverse of Madness, mm. but then Spider Man did it so much better. I think that that's an interesting thing about all these superhero movies is that typically comic book cinema, and now I say comic book isn't superheroes because you know, like Ghost World's a comic book, you know, uh, but. Uh, you know, like superhero shit. It always seemed like like conventional wisdom that it was best served by animation. And anymore, the movies that we go see are actually largely a form of animation, even though they're live action. Yeah. So it's just like Quantum really interesting Mania. that like we've just kind of met in the middle there, and it's like, yeah, animation is the best way to do superheroes. And uh, it's just we now have two different types of animation. Yeah. Quantum Mania was basically. Toys 5. Yeah, yeah, they were just in, in a green box in Georgia. Michael Douglas showed up. Good old Michael Douglas. I can't do an impression of Michael Douglas. I've been working on it, but we'll get there. I watched the game the other day, and he's so funny in that movie because he's such a little shit. And uh, I was just thinking about doing a Michael Douglas impression. He was the... He's the star he's of the, the game. Well, who he didn't go. He didn't play the game, though. though. Yeah, know? yeah. Sean Penn is his brother, and he gifts him the game. Uh, and then he right. his whole life goes crazy. <laughs> I thought it was it's, Sean it's Penn was playing the game. 
Well, he played the game and it changed his life, bro. But he was like kind of a loser. And Michael Douglas is the he's the businessman that everyone trusts. He's good. But then the game gets him and he has to play the game. Oh, the game rules, dude. I'm so glad. I got to rewatch that. that one. I've been on a Fincher rewatch kick. You know, a movie like fucks. Not the killer. Gone Girl. I love Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Yeah. And Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is way better than I remember. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. That had that still has the best trailer, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. The yeah. feel-bad movie of Christmas. The Karen O version of Thor song. I can't believe I called it that. Immigrant song. It's called the Thor Thunder song. Oh, yeah. Love and uh, that's those levels. Oh yeah. Well, that's what I'm here to do. Oh fuck. So we're down to ten. Yeah. Well, my that ten. was my ten. Your ten. My ten. Well, funny that we were talking about the game and and Fincher, but my ten is the killer. Mm. Uh, uh, I've had opposite feelings about the killer than Stephen did. I really loved it, but we devoted Yet a whole episode only to four it. spaces between our lists. <laughs> only four spaces. Hey, it's all about perspective. If we learn anything, here. yeah. Um, I just I I really enjoyed the killer. I really enjoy like a diet Fincher movie. I think that his uh, tendency with his last few movies was to like really expand the scope, and I think he did it really successfully. You know, Social Network is is, you know, I mean, Zodiac is is probably I mean, Zodiac's probably my favorite movie. It rules. Yeah, yeah. It, it just rules. Um, <laughs> Zodiac is incredible, and like so, the, so I like seeing Fincher brought back down to his early sensibilities of music videos by doing something that, while still two hours long, is a pretty concise, tight little narrative, and I just love him operating at that level. Thought Fastbender was great. Thought the score was great. Thought the Smiths needle drops were hilarious. Tilda Swinton runs away with the whole goddamn thing. It's just and and banner year for knockdown drag out fights because this has that a knockdown a drag fight. out fight in it that rules. Plane had a knockdown drag out fight in it that is goddamn incredible. Um, what was I watching the other day that had a, a really nutty knockdown drag out fight? Uh, the, either way, there was a lot Not of good Rebel shit Moon. this year. Not Rebel Moon. Not that Rebel just Moon. had you know. Dancing karate. That had the choreography was good, but yeah. Oh, I hear you. Um, Fucking so yeah, the killer. I mean, we devoted a whole episode to it, and I'm gonna pull up my letterbox to see what I watched recently to remind myself what had the knockdown dragout fight. But you can go on to your next thing. My number nine was the Super Mario Brothers movie. All right, I didn't see that. I actually did like this movie a lot. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, oh, I it's... John Wick Chapter Four is knockdown dragout fights. Oh yeah. Shit. I forgot to put that on my list. Well, we're going to get to it. Really? Spoiler alert, we're going to get to it. No way that John Wick 4 is in your top 10. I rewatched it the other day. I hate that movie. Anyway, <laughs> um, it would have been above Quantumania. Okay. No. Damn. Oh, damn. Okay. Anyway, um, Mario Brothers movie, I it, when you, you think about... The original Mario Brothers movie and how it became a cult classic for being so terrible. It was interesting for me to see how you can make an actually entertaining film based on a franchise with little to no lore that is confusing even when you do kind of look at it. Yeah, at, at a most deep basic, level. Mario's insane. Yeah. And so to fact the fact that you can get like a, a nice little story out of it and, you know, one that is actually enjoyable for someone who is 35 years old and doesn't have any kids that's going to make them forced to watch it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved, I probably, it's probably only a once movie for me, but I loved watching it. And Jack Black as Bowser. 
He could win. He is, could win an Oscar. I I hope that he. Does. I hope he does. I it's a da- does. I haven't seen the movie, but that's a great song. It's a lot of fun. And it's very short. Yeah. What you heard on Instagram is basically the length of it. <laughs> well, it's it's the whole movie itself. I think is like eighty minutes. It was it's it was a really guy. quick watch. Yeah. I watched it on Peacock. Because I would like to watch that, and I just never made time for and it. And the animation is, you know, it's it's clean, it's crisp, it's like yeah. almost it's Nintendo, I, baby. like Pixar two point Like all the colors are gonna smack you right in the face. Have nice. some sativa before you watch it. <laughs> I, my eyes are closing right now. No, um, you know what stopped me from watching the Mario Brothers movie is I know, like two minutes into it, I'm gonna be like, it's pissing me off that I'm not playing this right now. Because I loved Mario Odyssey, and it's giving me okay. our Mario yeah, Odyssey vibes. I can see that. And I'm just going to sit there like, I want to turn this off just so I can play Mario Odyssey. That's why it's on the Switch. You can do both. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> you know? I've been playing a, video games a little more And lately. what you should try to do is try to match up your moves with what Mario's doing <laughs> I make on the, the whole screen. movie? Yeah. <laughs> like, but the levels are different. <laughs> Someone did make... There's like a classic, um, like during the uh, kind of finale... There is a scene where they kind of make him jump through stuff and like you know. Oh, that's cool. So it's like the game, yeah. So like somebody recreated that in uh, Mario Maker. Oh, nice. Where, but it's like you could watch it like the two D version of it as, and like they played the original version on top of it. So it's a really cool dichotomy to see how someone was able to translate a scene from the movie back into the original Mario. That's cool. Yeah, I've I've seen like things like that before where they like uh, I saw like a. I think it was two wrestlers were doing, uh, you know, just their standard match. Yeah. And someone discovered that they were actually aping a specific anime fight scene. Yeah. And so it had a similar similar dynamic of, of watching it like that. Although I, it wasn't made, that. it was it was found. I saw that, but I don't remember exactly what you told me. Not who's in it or where I saw it. I don't know enough about wrestling. Yeah. I just, uh, I saw the Iron Claw. I know that. Which could have made my list, but didn't. So. Oh, really? I'm, that's upsetting. Well, you know what it is? Is, is there any Oscar watch on that movie? I, oh, dude, if Efron is not nominated, then everyone needs to go home because he is. Ex- that movie is. is it, it probably should have made my what list. I just me? ran out of space. Um, oh, you're great in it. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> it, I, when I watched Iron Claw, I was watching it with my buddy Andy, and we were talking about it afterwards. And he was like, you know, you kind of look like Jeremy Allen White. And I was like, me? And he was like, yeah, you have like weird eyes like that. And I was like, oh, I, I've never heard that before. But have you met Steven? Dude. <laughs> because then you're gonna you're gonna really see. When the bear came out. Oh yeah. I well, you were the bear for Halloween. Loved the attention. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. the bear for Halloween. Is that his, is he, easiest is his costume name is I've ever put all I had to do was put on a fucking blue apron. No, it's Carmine something. Nice. What is the bear in reference to? Is that the restaurant? It's the name of the restaurant. Okay. Well cool. it's the name of the restaurant that he changes it into it. It was called the beef. Uh, uh, yeah. I thought you were going to be like, it's the talking bear. But like, he's in none of the ad material. I, I've never seen this show. <laughs> Listen, we're going to make Dude, some chili. Somebody, I'm going to show you how to do it. Real quick. So bear style. Somebody on an airplane when I was going down to Dallas one time, and she definitely had a screw loose or two, but best comment I've ever gotten is she actually thought I was Jeremy Allen White. Really? Because she's like, you know, sometimes celebrities, they'll ride coach with the rest of us. Are you sure you're not him? And I'm like, ma'am, if I was him, I would be taking full advantage of first class. Please trust me on yeah. that. <laughs> I, I would do that if I had an extra $500. Of yeah. course I would do it if I was I, Hollywood's I, it man. I did it on the way home. Yeah. Because I, they like email me like, hey, for 200 bucks, you want to upgrade? I'm like, fuck yeah. I already I bought need this. Yeah. The ticket's already been paid for. This is just bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I, I got to get control of my yeah. spending in terms of shit like that. <laughs> the, um, but anyway, yeah, somebody really thought 
in their heart that I was Jeremy Allen White. Many years ago, there was some dude on Real World who apparently I looked a lot alike. And for a while there, I would like people would recognize me. But the first time it happened, because I don't watch Real World, I, don't know, I still yeah. don't know what the guy's name is. But uh, it says here it's Dan. I was Scully. sitting with Freya. <laughs> with uh, there's a movie. I was sitting with friend of the show Scott at uh, I think it was was it PJ Willahans, and we were getting wings because they had a wing deal. And I'm sitting there just eating with him, and all the waitresses are like young hot ladies, and they're walking by, and they're all like eyeing me up. And I was like, Scott, I don't mean to sound like a cocky asshole, but have you noticed that literally every waitress has walked by and checked me out? And he's like, yes, what is going on with that? I was like, I don't know. what I, I was looking like a slob. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then one of the waitresses comes up and she's like, hey, excuse me. I'm like, yes. And she's like, are you on the real world? <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> No, uh, is there someone on the real world that said, like, you look just like blah, 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 and that kind of thing. And uh, I try, tried to, like, you know, hold some of that magic, but then she left, and it was funny, and Scott's like, why did you not say yes? <laughs> I guess I'm just too honest. Yeah. But it was, oh, it was so funny. But yeah. much like looking like Jeremy Allen White gives you pleasure, I will say that people think it would drive me nuts. please. If you meet me for the first time and you don't know my name and you hear my name, please tell me that it's like the lady from the X-Files. <laughs> because I actually yeah. love that. It's an Easter egg in my life. I think life. that's one of the first things I ever said to you. It, it's the best. And oh, yeah, it like still happens all the time. Uh, I went to get coffee the other day and the, the barista was like, she looked at the screen and she goes, is that your real name? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, like the X-Files? And I was like, yes, yes. You should start a Tony Hawk style account logging all those times oh yeah because yeah. it does happen like probably once a month yeah and it's the one of the coolest things anyway let's get back on track let's get here. back to this what are we at now i gave my nine i think all it's right. your nine my number nine is indeed john wick chapter four wow i put this on the other day and even though i think there's a, the, the one problem that persists is that they've dissolved the script to the point that like in part three he literally has to leave his family in order to get a boat overseas in John Wick 4, he's just jet-setting. They don't explain it short of just he's friends with Lawrence Fishburne. That's how he does you know, like So, like, the script is a lot looser. Well, as you know, the king of the homeless can move anybody. Because he can move anybody anywhere. Because he's networks of sewers everywhere. Sewers that go across yeah. the Atlantic and into, into the deserts uh, of the Sahara. But that quibble aside kind of disappears when you realize what they accomplished action-wise. Especially after, you know... 20 years or so of post Paul Greengrass, let's cut around the action and just create the, let's create the energy in the edit and not actually do choreography to have like dyed in the wool choreography with, you know, just dynamic settings, like around the Arc de Triomphe, the traffic going around and they're throwing people into cars and you can look at it. It was the second movie this year to take place in the, Oh yeah. And it, and it blew the other one out of the water and that's it. Yes, he gets away with pulling his jacket in front of his face and becoming bulletproof way too much. Yes, he gets hit by so many cars that any man above the age of 15 would definitely be dead. And a 55-year-old man is just eating cars and bullets and knives. And two-story dro drops down, onto a van. And down to the steps. Yeah, The van crushes Dude, under his weight. The steps That was, was such a comical scene to me. so awesome, though. It's awesome awesome me and the two people i was with started laughing in the theater and then there was an elderly black woman behind us that said he's still falling 
<laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. Yeah. But I think that, like, for me... I know, and that, was... Wait, that, that was the first time he fell, by the way. When oh, he gets yeah, yeah. back up and he gets kicked back down, we're like, are you fucking kidding me? It's incredible. Yeah. But it's like, it is impossible. But I think that with this John Wick 4, they were going for, like, this entry in the series, they were going for, like, a good, the bad, and the ugly kind of thing. Big, epic melodramatic and we are here to watch large characters such as donnie yen who gave probably my favorite performance in anything this year as uh kane the he blind was assassin my, he was my he was so part. good um you know like that, that was an incredible performance it's a full-on character he's new to the series at this point and he essentially is like i would hope that there's no more after this he's so instrumental in bringing it into a close and it's all earned and even though the action reaches the points of ridiculousness, I think that the the craft on display in getting that action buys all of that ridiculousness out. And it's all in service of just like such a big melodramatic thing. Like that duel at the end. That was cool. That was a so cool setup. So much is riding Bill on there. Skarsgård like works as a villain. Oh, and the backpack so cat is really cool. Yeah, he was really cool. My, my and three favorite John things over dogs. were um, Donnie Yen. Oh yeah, the backpack dude pulling his backpack over himself to turn into to be bulletproof. Vest. Yeah. yeah, and um, the over the top, literally over the top shot, eagle eye view of the <clears throat> um, shotgun that has uh, fire bullets in it. Yeah, yeah, because that is, I believe, a reference to the John Wick video game that came out last year which is the same kind of style of like that top down you gotta choose where he goes and like what he does and it's very kind of it's awesome that they were able to shoot something in a very video game style for what is a very video game movie yeah and it's a very video game movie and I think that that's but like what's cool is it pulls in all those influences you know like we've come so far from John Woo doing hard boiled to John Wick you know throwing ninja well that's my other problem. They show ninja stars, but nobody gets hit with one in this one. They, nobody yeah. even throws one. That uh, pissed me off. But no, that top Chekhov's down thing. Chekhov's ninja stars. Is good. Yeah, really. They blew it. They, they showed yeah. us Chekhov's ninja stars. But the uh, um, the fire gun, which imagine just being like, I want a gun that shoots fire. And they're like, what, like a flamethrower? No, 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 you're not hearing me. I want a gun that shoots fire. They had it in Mulan. I've never seen Mulan. Um, but the animated one rules. Yeah, yeah I haven't Don't seen fucking watch them. That never... I never the live action yeah, Disney's. Don't, I don't do. Yeah, don't fucking do it. Um, Mrs. Potts's spout was in her nose. It was on the side. Of her. <coughs> Fuck out of here. Sorry, Disney. excuse me. Um, but no, uh, I saw an interview with uh, Chad Stahelski who said that the reason they did that was when he was shooting people from that bird's eye view. He was like, it's it didn't look as it didn't like. He's like, what do we yeah. use to draw our eye to the action? And he was like, well, we could put you know like tracer rounds in there, and they got it from a video game that they saw. You got to put some more paint on the canvas, so to speak. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's the choices that gets this movie on my list, is they looked at everything, and they didn't just go, we'll cut it together in post. They saw post, and then they said, what do we have to build to get there? And that is such a rarity. Um, you know, like, you, you can't... You, the, the problem with, like, a Marvel movie is that it's like, you got these superstars that you only have for a week. You're not going to train them for choreography. Yeah. But, like, your franchise man is, is Keanu. He's all in. So, like, they train... The special features on the disc for John Wick 4 are incredible. Because it's all his training with, with stunt driving yeah, and all that stuff. on YouTube. And, like, the behind the scenes of how they make the cars actually hit people and digitally create... It's just... It is, an, it is a Herculean feat of cinema. And any script quibbles I have just, like, fall behind that. I, I, I'm so happy that we have a three-hour fucking John Wick 
giant old west melodrama that ends in an all time great duel the with Donnie fucking Yen. The bad and the ugly outweighed the good for me on that yeah, one. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good way to move on to my next one. Snow day, more like go right away. So that's um, old I SNL. Yeah, I know what it is. Um, number eight for me was Dungeons and Dragons. Yes! Surprise oh, hit rules. of the year. Nice. I so I just I did start playing for real D&D this year. I only did one campaign. If you, Unless you want to count my Baldur's Gate campaign, which is uh, simply the same thing. Um, but so like, I really got into D&D this year and everybody that it was in my circle was like, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. It's actually a good movie. Like, I think you're going to like it. You got to see this film. And all I could think of was like, but I know that you're biased because I just, I met you at the D&D club. I don't know that you're yeah, telling yeah. me the truth from a filmmaking standpoint because you might I know because like you like D and D exactly. Yeah. And then like the more and more my friends were like, "You got, you got to see this movie." Like I really think you'll like it. It was on so my first half of the year list. I, you were one of them. Yeah. And then I watched it, and I, it was what a ride! Great time. It's so funny. It's really funny. All the tropes that I was learning in the in the campaign. I saw on screen. I'm like, oh, that's cool. fun. See, I didn't know the uh, I didn't know the game. So like, yeah. But even without knowledge of the game, it worked like gangbusters. It for was me. there was a lot Jonathan. of really great. Yeah, John, I was gonna say Jonathan was. A, I was like, damn, is it gonna be really this funny? The Little sweet time? baby Bradley Cooper. But then the action was sweet. They hit the key fucking like um, the key drama moments were hit very well. Overall, just like I have no fucking complaints. That movie, Dude, that hell movie of a was movie. Right. Great, it totally it. works. Yeah. And I think they're doing a sequel. And I am in. Chris Pine said he's in. Yeah, I'm into it. And you know how much I fucking hate Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, she's awesome in it. I enjoyed her in this film. She was funny, and when she like she fucked up a dude with a loot. Yeah. And I was, and it was like kind of brutal. I, like, I never yeah. realized that if you just took the character of Letty and put her in Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, I would enjoy her much more. <laughs> you know what would happen though is she'll she'll die in like Dungeons and Dragons too, and all of us will be like, yeah, I don't know if it's she's gonna been stay a dead. Long day. She might. Maybe that explosion just blew her to safety. Yeah. It's happened before. Maybe that explosion of green zippy magic blew her to safety oh my god you know what they're gonna fucking do is well probably not now because of recent news but oh yeah they will probably bring back fucking uh if they if if vin diesel didn't just get canceled yeah um it would be really funny to see like if you go back and meet her barbarian family and vin diesel (laughs) is one of those guys Welcome to the Middle Ages. Too bad. I'm sorry, Vin Vin C K. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, that's funny. Vinny C K. <coughs> Vinny C K. Not Stop not to be confused with W K. All men everywhere, and we're asking very nicely. Stop unconsensually masturbating in front of women. Just like I know it's your thing. Maybe don't show people your penis. Yeah, just stop. <laughs> just like, Unless they ask. I'm 39 years just in. Just don't fucking do it. And I have never once showed someone my penis I've never without, even them, wanted to. without them asking. Yeah. And even when they asked, I was like, are you sure are you, you sure? want to see my penis? Because yeah. uh, the reviews are in. And it is lukewarm. Because <laughs> uh, right now it's Vin Diesel. But what if next time it's someone we care about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know what? Uh, I will say this about uh, this is fucked up, but I'll say it. Um, when I saw that, vi- like, I don't want a world where even one more person has been has been you know sexually assaulted. But when I read that news, I smiled a little because I was like, I can't wait to see what the writers are gonna do 
to write him out if that if it comes to that because they have written around so many they wrote around Paul the, Walker's death his death <laughs> they wrote around uh Statham being a bad guy barely they wrote around Han explicitly dying on camera they wrote around that just to get him back twice because we liked him so much yeah. twice they changed the whole order of time to get him back killed him and brought him back like they've done everything so for some reason the lead of the series the executive producer demands everything be about him mark sinclair vin diesel if he can't be in fast 11 and they have to write around that it is going to be i got it incredible i I already got it oh what are they gonna do so in the end credit scene it was the rock answering the phone yeah yeah now at this point dom and his son are still stuck in the dam um, Hobbs is going to launch his truck over the, what's left of the dam, accidentally run over Vin Diesel, but not hit his son. Not little Brian, yeah. And then um, little Brian, though, is going to grow up to enact revenge on Hobbs. Then we have another nice. like, 15 more movies we can go through. Oh, see, I was thinking he would swing in on a rope and just double chest kick Vin Diesel off. And then put the kid on his shoulders, and then the rest of the movie is him with his best buddy, Baby <laughs> Brian, on the shoulders. Because he would jump, and the two yeah. the two trucks would smash while he does a split. No, wait. Okay, here's a better idea. It wasn't John Cena that died. It was uh, Vin Diesel. John Cena, Mission Impossible, rips mask off the mask. pulls off. Suddenly six feet yeah. taller. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when there's a lot of options. John, they have. Yeah. Remember when young John Cena's face morphed into old John Cena, and they were so different, and it was such a different head yeah. shape that it and made different the color of theater skin. just everything yeah. different. It would be if I faded into Eddie Murphy. It was yes. like that different, and uh, a younger Eddie Murphy. But like, like this just goes to show how much the franchise doesn't care they don't about care. what is on the screen. It doesn't have to be explained. Yeah. It just has to be acknowledged. And as long as they acknowledge it, anything You're goes. Good. And so if they're just like like they could literally just have like. Uh, Vin Diesel just be like, don't worry, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my car and they're about to crash into him. And then he just slips and falls off and is done. It's completely digital. Actually, one of Paul Walker's brothers has Vin Diesel's face pasted <laughs> on him and he falls off. All right, what are we doing? Anyway. So you did nine, Vin I Diesel did nine. Sucks. Or you did eight, I did right? eight. What's your eight? My number eight is a movie that I saw at the film festival that was, uh, at the Philadelphia Film Festival, that was a movie that... Eh, it didn't like interest me so much and then it blew my mind the promised land promised land is a uh, mads mickelson movie oh, it is dutch mads. and he plays a post uh i forget what war it is but it's like a post-war uh, military man who wants to take his military pension and open a farm and the dutch government's like uh there's no good land he's like i don't want good land i want this land and i'm gonna grow my crop here let me do it. And they're like, yeah, if you want to do it, but nothing grows there. And so it's the story of him working to get stuff to grow on his land while also dealing with an evil land baron who wants his land. And they get in like a petty back and forth battle. But there's a great romance. Uh, every character gets their just desserts in a big way. Every character goes through like a full arc. It's just like a very thorough and complete movie that's gorgeous to look at, very well made, and just super satisfying on all fronts and like when they do the reveal like it's treated as a reveal what crop he's trying to grow so i won't say it but it was a, it's, it's kind of a funny reveal yeah i'm into this movie it's i had good, to man. search through it's real good um i finally found the imdb page oh, nice. after searching through what seemed to be way too much jesus shit yeah the promised land has got to yeah. be a hundred different movies um and it is the director is i just want to shout it out 
the promised land. So it is, you know, past tense. Uh, Nikolai Arcel. It looks like it takes place in the past. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually the guy who did the, the crappy Dark Tower adaptation. But, oh, wow. um, yeah, Promised Land is absolutely incredible. 1755, impoverished, impoverished Captain Ludwig Kalin sets out to conquer the uninhabitable Danish heath in the name of the king. But the sole ruler of the area, the merciless Frederick de Schinkel, who believes the land belongs to him, swears revenge when the maid Anne Barbara and her serf husband escape for refuge. It's fucking good. And I have I'll no historical out. context to understand what's going on, and it doesn't matter because it all just works. Anytime I see like a fictionalization of a history thing, I have to go and find as much information about it as I can. This and made it, me want to look it up more, but I don't remember. The um, the moment that I, when I was listening to a true crime podcast, and I was like, thank God that wasn't me. It was when I was listening to the um, really visceral depictions of the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings. From the Oppenheimer uh, special on last podcast, which was six fucking parts. It was so good, though. I want to read that Oppenheimer book. Um, My number seven. Are you ready to move on? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. My number seven was a movie that I saw at the Regal Theater. (laughs) It was Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Oh, right on. that That was a great... I wish that was the last hurrah for the MCU, because that was a hell of a movie. Only good Marvel content I've seen in this year. Did you watch Loki? Not season two. Okay, I haven't watched that yet no. either. I was afraid that you Majors watched it again. And didn't make it. Yeah. Right when I... And that news kind of broke during the big finale. That's been spoiled for me. But anyway. Oh, it wasn't spoiled for me, but I don't care. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 um, was... Uh, again, I saw it with the same people. And it was really funny because my roommate Joe and Megan were next to each other. And when they, when they started doing the animal stuff, it I was heard rough. Joe say... I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. And we were all like, yep. So he was like one seat removed from me, and I still heard him say it out loud. And I was like, I don't know if I can do it either, man. Um, but it was it was not as bad as I thought it would be. It was still rough to watch. But the most viscerally upsetting thing I saw was at the end when he rips, that dude gets his face ripped oh, off. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's or you, know, you discover like why his face is yeah, like Yeah, when his medicine or whatever wears yeah, off. Stapled and he, to yeah. himself, yeah. The, um, the animal stuff in that bothered me, but I was so pleased by the payoff to all of it. It, yeah. it was so ultimately sweet and warm-hearted. And I don't think that when James Gunn wrote that... Because that's one of those things that, again, with with like true crime and things like animals that are specifically like triggering to some people, is the idea of like how do you do that with tact and typically good writing. Yeah. I think that's why last podcast gets away with it is because they are good writers. Marcus oh, yeah. is a good writer and Henry is is a good improv guy. Um, crime Junkie is one of my favorite true crime podcasts and they like take it very seriously and do that. And so there's a way to do it funny and not funny. And James Gunn knows how to like make funny. Uh, but then hit us with this gut wrenching animal moment, but then have like that afterlife payoff later that's just so sweet and yeah, and be, like it was just really well done. That I was like, I'm glad you put me through the ringer because you ended up earning such a golden moment later. Uh, that that was special because of that, and like that's really hard to do. And for it to be in something like Guardians of the Galaxy three, I think is tremendous. And the way to hit on notes too from like movies past, like the and the first one when he references his past. Oh yeah, yeah. and the second one when he has a very almost strained relationship with Peter Quill. Mm-hmm. And then to see that relationship kind of come full circle where like they do genuinely care about each other. They're just kind of soldiers that were forced into each other's zone that were always trying to one up each other and, you know, 
be the leader. But, yeah, yeah. You know, seeing that like deep level friendship that they cultivated during that time of rivalry, I thought was a really great end note for this particular chapter of Marvel characters. And I think that's why it was the best Marvel content I saw this year. I mean, if it was released even last year, it would have been the best Marvel content. No, because last year, I believe, was Loki Season 1, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. I love Lady Loki. Oh, my God. I love the will they, won't they between them. And they, even though they're the same person. They're still going to fuck themselves. They're still going to fuck themselves. Yeah. These two very hot people just getting getting ready to rock. Um, What are we at? Seven? Se- I did my seven. Okay. Number seven. This movie blew my mind, and not everybody's as sweet on it as me, but Dream Scenario. The movie where Nicolas Cage oh, plays, I do want to see that. A, uh, plays a, a mild-mannered professor, maybe feels a little underserved by life, but is certainly not seeking celebrity of any of any type, uh, inexplicably just starts showing up in people's dreams worldwide. And so overnight becomes a celebrity of sorts due to this just phenomenon that happens. you know. And so it starts out as really kind of funny because he's curious about it like why did this happen i want to learn but as the fame grows as we know these things can turn in very epic ways Mm -hmm. and so it ends up being this movie that that uh speaks on the idea of like i mean i guess the term is cancel culture but it speaks to the thing that always bothers me about stuff like what we call cancel culture is not a bad person getting consequences it's the rabidness with which we embrace the destruction of somebody, no matter how bad they are. And that always bothers me. And all discourse about social media and, and cancel it never gets there, and Dream Scenario gets there. It's not a bad, it's not making a comment about, like, we should log off Facebook, or, you know, we're these libtards and rightoids. It's nothing like that. It's just like, why do people do this? Yeah. Why do people love to see someone rise and fall? And that inquisitiveness is mirrored by his, like, why did I show up in everybody's dreams? Yeah. What is that? And so you go on this journey, and it gets really dark and really upsetting. But even though it's dark and upsetting, the whole way through, it is fucking hilarious. It's so funny. So, so, so funny. Really awkward, really uncomfortable, but... like. It's the first time in a long time that a that a fart gag like got me on a guttural level because it's <laughs> the way it's employed. Yeah. But uh, Dream Scenario is great. It's brilliant. Uh, Christopher Borgley is the writer director. He did a movie last year called Sick of Myself about a woman who is seeking fame and takes an illegal medicine that ends up scarring her face really badly, and so she becomes like a social media darling as a result of that. And so it's it's a crazy movie and it's fucked up, uh, but it's it's about someone wanting to be famous and seeing the other side of that. And Dream Scenario is more interesting because he doesn't really want to be famous. Ah, uh, yeah, but it's, it's on my it's list. Thrust of upon. Yeah. But man, oh man, it is like hold your belly laughter at a lot of points. A great movie. Yeah, uh, the uncomfortableness for me, I I could probably get through because it is Nicolas Cage and yeah, it makes me uncomfortable and he's anyway. Great in it. Yeah, you will forget it's him, which is very rare anymore. He looks like. Um, Charlie Kaufman, a little, a little bit, bit from our. It's first a very Charlie Kaufman esque movie. Yeah. It's very like if someone told me it was a Charlie Kaufman movie, I would I would believe it. And it's mm. produced by Ari Aster. Oh great! Yeah. yeah, really, really good. Dream scenario number seven. My number six. Actually, I'm gonna do something a little bit unorthodox. Oh, oh, okay. My number six and my number five movies could be considered um, sister sequels. They both take place in the same era, I believe, and I watched them um, 
days after each other. Okay. Both on well, one on Apple TV and one on Amazon Prime, giving you more and more hints. See if you can figure out what it was. Apple TV, one on Amazon Prime. <clears throat> I don't say I don't. I don't have these. Number six. Services. I'll just give you number six is Tetris. Oh, okay, okay. So then uh, the other one's BlackBerry. No. No. Okay. I'll give. I guess I'll wait. But yeah. Tetris, I thought was really great. I love Taron Edgerton. I love video games, and I had no idea about the, like this whole espionage story behind a game that really doesn't deserve so much uh, backstory behind it. I did well. It doesn't. It, you wouldn't expect that. You wouldn't expect it. I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because the one right. thing that that movie uh, drove home that I think is true that I think most people can agree on is that Tetris, like all things considered, is the best game. Yeah. It's the best game. It really is. Mathematically, it is. It's the best game. But I also like... like listen to a song the, by Boston. They figured it out. The... the T- Taron Edgerton's character was so... He didn't understand, and because it was, it's still a fairly new thing, and we're still working through it today, he didn't understand intellectual property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Russia oh, really yeah. did. Yeah. Russia really did understand it, insofar as that's ours, and you can't have it. Yeah. And this guy was like, but everyone should have it. Like, he's so ignorant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good mark. And it's Walmart. funny that he's but almost more communist it. <laughs> about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. You know, like, yeah, he's a little very, more like, yeah. no, everyone should share this wisdom. But Tetris they won't even let him world. leave the country. And, like, they shake him down more times than yeah. like to count. And, like, they they say, no, this is ours. And you can't, you can't sell it to every other country on the planet. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes the world's most popular video game. And this guy, you know, luckily that guy gets ends up getting paid, but two Taron Edgerton's characters, um, like persistence, and yeah, insistence. his American yeah. tenacity. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but they also had yeah. one of the best chase scenes, yeah, of the year because you had the cars. It's still like a, oh yeah, a, the car chase was wild. The car chase was awesome because they they found a way to incorporate Tetris graphics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we get pixelated and go oh, to eight yeah, bit for a while. Bits, yeah. yeah, it's it's wild and. It's, it's a very creative scene, and that really put the movie over the top for me, besides the great story and the great acting. Oh, yeah. Taron Edgerton was great in it. Yeah. I love movies like that that teach me something. Like, I learned history there. And there's, like, really no fat on it. Like, I, yeah. I felt myself really engaged the entire time, which is nice. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That was one that I put on, like, on, like, a Saturday morning, and was like, eh, I'll, I'll, and then by the end, I was wrapped. Yeah, the broom is down, the cleaner's on the cuff, Taylor. Yeah, it's like, like chin to your elbow. I know they do get it out because I have Tetris on every device yes. I've ever owned. But how do they do it? <laughs> Those Americans and their ingenuity. It had that great line. Maybe what, I mean, one of my favorite lines of the year when they talk about uh, um, eliminating multiple lines at once on the Tetris screen rather than just one at yeah. a time. And he's like, why not do you know that? And so the guy, Alexei, sits down. Alexei Pashnatov, I remember that, sits down and does a little programming and then does that, and he's like, and, and he hits a little thing so that when it does that, it makes a noise, like, boom. Yeah. And then he's like, ooh, what was that? And he was like, life is hard. We all deserve our small celebrations. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know and what? And getting a four-line yeah, uh, remover in Texas is all the biggest great. celebration. Everybody knows how yeah. good that feels when you get Fuck a full the Super Tetris. Bowl. Fuck the Super Bowl. Yeah. When that happens, shit is tight. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you picked that. Tetris yeah. is cool. Uh, so, are, okay, so I'll do my... Number six. six. All right, so this is a funny story about this one. When I was at Fantastic Fest, they had four secret screenings. And the four secret screenings uh, were very highly attended. And in the morning, you have to click which screenings you're trying to go to. And all the secret screenings sold out fast. So I was bummed because I didn't get to see the first one, which turned out to be Saltburn. I didn't get to see the second one, which turned out to be Dream Scenario. I skipped the fourth one because I sort of heard around the, uh, uh, around the bend that it was just Saw 10. 
which was coming out literally the next day, wide release, and it was. But number three, I didn't, I didn't get. I didn't know that made a saw ten. Oh yeah, socks. It's saw X, so we just called socks. Um, yeah. So uh, I need you to cheat on the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I want to. I want to play a game. The uh, it's called baseball. I could make a Shohei Otani joke right now, but I don't think you would understand it. I mean, if you want to go for it while we got the time, go for you it. You need to pay. You need to defer most of Shohei Otani's contract. <laughs> yeah. So the third screening, though, I didn't get into, but the press people were like, "Hey, we can we can probably get you in." I was like, "Oh, thanks." So I got in, and there was rumors like, "Ooh, maybe it's the killer." Ooh, and so there was all these things, and then it turned out to be a movie I had never heard of, and it's my number six, Dogman, uh, the latest Luke Besson movie. And uh, I don't even know if it's going to get an American release. But it, when they announced that it was Dogman, it was Luke, and I, I like a Luke Besson movie. But uh, when they announced that it was Dogman, I was like, man, should have seen Saw Ten. I was like, I should have done something else. You know, I should have done a different movie because this isn't the most exciting screener. And then it was just a movie I wasn't interested in. And then it blew me the fuck away. It is uh, the story of uh, oh, what is that kid's name? I always forget he's the very freckly redhead kid. Caleb Landry Jones. Caleb Landry Jones, who gives like the performance of a lifetime. He's this guy who was raped dogs. He was abused by oh tech issues. Alright. You so, were talking about Dogman. Caleb Landry Jones. He was an X Men. Yes, he was. Are yeah. we recording? <clears throat> no, I just wanted to pretend that we're recording. Okay. I don't know what's going on. We're I don't recording. know what's real. Okay. We're recording. I, my whole stop, reality was checked. Stop. Put the sativa down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, no, he plays this guy who uh, <clears throat> was abused by his father in such a way that he was, like, thrown into the back of their farm with a bunch of dogs. And as a result, he uh, grows dog up. dog man? Well, he, he just, he's he's normal. Like, he speaks. He's smart. He's not like a, like a, like a, a feral kid or anything. But he has this sway over dogs. And he just controls dogs. And so now as an adult, he's this weird, like, effete mobster who, uh, you know, sometimes wears drag, sometimes is dressed as, like, a, a dapper gentleman. But uh, he's paralyzed from the waist down, and he just lives in a warehouse with a bunch of dogs. And the dogs do his bidding. And he takes care of business using his dogs. And it's this long story oh, of... Oh, even, like, poop. Oh, no, no, he just, uh, no, he just, they're... He gets them done. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of dog poop to to tend, content. I, I imagine he stinks. How does he? How does he poop? Uh, I think well, he can walk for like a couple steps. Oh, okay. He's like one of those. Like so, he's he's able to. He's one of those. That's I, I didn't want to bring it up. But that was rough, <laughs> man. Was a, the, um, uh, the uh, sorry about that. Um, no, I think it's a. Uh, it, so he, he's just a a very unique character yeah. and it's like a fairy tale kind of thing because like his sway over dogs is almost supernatural but nobody regards it as such it just is what it is um and it's gets crazy violent and it's a very moving uh, uh performance by him um i i was like tearing up by the end of it because it was just so moving and you know it's uh and I'm biased too because uh, and here's the thing it's got a lot of dogs in it and Luke Besson made like the professional and stuff so the whole time I'm just like it's gonna suck when eventually one of these dogs dies not a single dog in the movie is even harmed at all alright that was my, you know that was my yeah. next question they do the yeah. dogs fuck people up nothing bad happens to a dog and in the at the end of the movie they actually uh, did a zoom call with Luke Besson who was at the Arc de Triomphe 
at like 5 a.m. in France to take questions. And he took my question, which was, you know, I asked about the decision not to have any of the dogs come to harm. And he very clearly didn't understand my question because he was like, why would I want to hurt the dog? <laughs> I was like, I love that Luc Besson misunderstood my question. I don't think he did. Well, the, it's the, still his piece of art. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I think that uh, he didn't say it like a... I, I'm, I'm selling it in a different way, but the way he said it made it sound like he thought I asked why didn't he actually hurt a fucking dog making uh, the movie. okay. And uh, as opposed to, you know, the why would I want a movie where a dog gets hurt? Nobody likes that. Well, he is French. He is French. And, and I'm sure the, the nightmare for the most French people is oh, to yeah. have a Zoom call with Americans. And, and it was five in the morning his yeah. time. And also, too, like the Zoom was compromised. It actually, the, the meeting running out of time thing came up at one point. Um, so yeah, it was very... You mean a film festival couldn't even spring for fucking... It was very funny. I took wow. pictures of it. But there was, uh... Yeah, They're like, just like us. There was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for real. There's many barriers between me and Luke Besson understanding uh, yeah. what's going on. But, but um, you both don't pay for The zone. movie was absolutely <laughs> incredible. Just like, yeah. Uh, blew my mind. Dogman. Dogman. But Luke Besson, complicated character too. He's got some, uh... He's got some skeletons in his closet of a gropey, grabby nature, I think. So I... Don't want to talk it up too much, but no. it's just a goddamn great movie. Um, my number five is Air. Yes. Okay. Right yeah. on. I loved Air. Air. I loved it, dude. Yeah. I gave it five stars on my letterbox. I didn't because I forgot my letterbox existed for most of the year until that I saw Rebel Moon. Moon. <laughs> <laughs> and you're moved to create. Um, but Air was great because and we talked about this. Didn't we have an episode about this? Yeah, we had a full yeah, episode yeah. about Air. Air was um, fantastic. But the decision to film Michael Jordan the way that they did um, was genius. Yeah. And, um, and that's a gamble that uh, could have v- not paid uh, off. It could Voila have been like, really bad. Yeah. Was no. it? What, who's the mother? Oh, Voila uh, Davis. Viola Davis. Yeah. Not Voila. I, I call her Voila. <laughs> Ta-da. She's magical. <laughs> she is magical. <laughs> I mean, she's awesome. Yeah, she steals a show for me. And she's oh, in yeah. it for maybe five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And Matt Damon is great as like a angrier version of uh, his character in The Informant. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he believes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He really believes. He really does. And man, um, as someone who has a mild gambling addiction, I get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, when you feel it. I still lose. For instance, I lost a parlay the other night because David Njoku didn't score a touchdown. That was the only thing I didn't I don't know hit. what any of that means. I know. I right? know what a touchdown is. Totes my goats. Totes my goats. But no, Air was... I, I did watch a lot of football last weekend because I was at home for Christmas. That's what everyone does during Christmas. And I'll tell you what, all the games this weekend, very few of them were like a blowout. It was like battles back yeah. and forth. So I had a very good time. It was Me exciting. Too. Yeah. Um, but Air, also, like, another thing that you kind of take for granted, like, Air Jordans are just around, you know, and they've been around forever. But, like, how did they start? What was the what were the issues there? I didn't realize that they took an, an entire risk on Michael Jordan's rookie season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That blows my mind that he signed for that much money. You would never see that today. Well, just the idea of, like, of just someone being like, let's affix a shoe to a specific sports yeah. star. That was, like, a new thing happening. You know, like, they, they talk about, like, other guys, I forget who it was, like, with but, like, that wasn't, like, a couple years old at that point. Oh, yeah, like Larry Bird is wearing Converse, I think. Yeah, 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 and like they mentioned, like, oh, they only wear this, but then just being like, let's fucking name the shoe after yeah. the dude as opposed to just connect him. That's a game changer. It really is. And Chris Tucker, we love seeing him. Chris Tucker ruled in this movie. He was I great. I forgot he was in it until you just yeah. mentioned that. But, yeah, he was one of my favorite parts of the movie as well. And then, you know, he had Ben Affleck just kind of there. 
Yeah, but he was. At, I like when Ben Affleck's clearly relaxed and having fun. Yeah, he, and this you can I tell. enjoy that. Yeah, I even I might have texted. I was like, I'm glad that Ben and J Lo are back because you can tell he's a very different actor. He's happy. <laughs> yeah, which is. Uh, I mean, I guess. Uh, it's weird though because he's happy, but I have heard nothing but nightmare reports of like how she is to deal with. Oh like, yeah, full on diva. That, um, the viral clip of him like very nicely slamming the car door until he does this motion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I believe too he like looks at the at the paparazzi he's, like, "What are you fucking doing?" He says, like, "I think you got enough." <laughs> yeah. I, I hey, you know what? I always say this about celebrities. I have a hard time judging the biggest celebrities because that life must be crazy. Like no, you know, like no, like. Yeah, a lot of money uh, is good, and your ability to just like buy an island and go live there is great. But like, if I had to deal with cameras outside my door every day, I I would I might actually end up killing somebody. Dude, it took me a while to realize too, like, um, because I'd be looking at these photos like in the supermarket, like while you're waiting in line, like, oh yeah, man, yeah. look how much fun they look like they're having, and uh, uh, fucking Jason Siegel's at a smoothie shop. Yeah. But man. there's also a cameraman. LA at the looks like show. so nice out there. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Someone had to take this photograph and that photograph and that photograph yep. and that photograph. And I'm like, I don't want to be famous anymore. It sounds like yeah. too much work. I would rather just be known for being good at what I did. And like, ba- could you imagine if our podcast amount. was so popular that there'd be like six people out there trying to get a fucking photo of us? I would hate it. BB would hate yeah. it. We wouldn't even be able to record because BB would, BB be, would barking. be barking the entire yeah. time. I'd be barking. Luckily, no one loves us. Yeah. Um. So, what's your number five? <laughs> Rob pops up at the window. Hey, fellas. <laughs> like, oh shit. I don't think Rob listens to this one. I think he's a high property loyalist. Um, hey, I'm into it. Number five, we're doing. Yeah, uh, that was my five, so you're a five. Okay, number five is another movie that I saw at Fantastic Fest called River. And River is a time loop movie. Huh? Oh, we're gonna, I thought we were going to sing River by Joni Mitchell. I don't... How does that one go? No, never mind. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> um, I have to look it up. I like Joni Mitchell, but I don't, I don't know the... Um, Maybe it's not Joni Mitchell. Keep yeah. talking. It's Joan Osborne. Don't no. always seem to go. You don't know what you've got to let's go. Baby paradise and you put up a parking lot. So uh, River is a time loop movie. It's Japanese, I believe. Um, and it is about a single block that is populated by restaurants, uh, spa, uh, just like a general area. So there's a bunch of like, uh, you know, workers that are sort of tropes. There's a chef, there's the hotel manager, there is a maid, um, all of these people. And they discover that every, I think it's two minutes, every one to two minutes, they suddenly find themselves back at the beginning of the day. And so they're just living the same minute or two over and over again. But they retain their memory each time. So it's this block realizing that this is happening and coming together within a minute to build a plan before it resets. And then having to come back and build oh, more of a plan. I love movies like that. And they're that. trying to understand why it's happening. They're trying to understand what's happening. And then they're trying to come to a solution. And they have a minute to do it every time. And it's super funny. It's really joyous and just like has a lot of fun with the concept. Um, and it really just milks How that many concept for all its work. Uh, I mean, by the end, it's probably like like 10 or 12. But uh, mm. you follow the one lady every time. You follow her loop, and then she just gets tired, tied up with you know more and more people. But it's it's very lighthearted. It stays goofy the whole time. Nobody is like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? It's just very proactive. It's probably, I think, it's only like 75 River? minutes long. It's just called River. It's made by the same filmmakers who made another movie that you're going to write down called... Uh, beyond the infinite two minutes 
And it's the same sort of thing, but it's a faux one-shot movie where this guy who lives above a coffee shop discovers that his computer, which is has a camera in the coffee shop, shows the coffee shop two minutes in the future. And so it's him going up and down trying to prevent this terrible thing from happening that he saw that was two minutes in the future, but continually, like, stepping on his own toes. And it's a faux one-shot then- movie, and it's so funny, and it's, vi- like... There's a million points where I'm like, I don't, I legitimately don't know how they did that portion of the shot. He really shortened his title for a second movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But River doesn't have as much camera acrobatics. It's less impressive on that front, but I think it has a mature, a more mature filmmaking style. Like, it doesn't need to coast on the gimmick because it actually builds really fun characters uh, over the course of its runtime. But yeah, my number five is River. It's, it's phenomenal. Everyone should see it. When uh, that movie ended, I turned to the stranger next to me and I was like, that's going to be the one to beat for today. And she was like, that's going to be the one to beat for the whole festival. Oh, damn. I was like, right on. Nice. And I think the whole, <laughs> the whole feeling in the theater it was like an eight o'clock in the morning movie everybody like left with a skip in their step nice because it was so good and it's just such a pleasant entertaining movie you would you would love it river's fantastic i'm, I'm definitely gonna check that yeah. one out. out of probably out of all these except for maybe poor things um did i say Joni mitchell you did say Joni it mitchell. was Joni mitchell nice um my so number four, four. is bop bop Mission Impossible. Oh yeah, yeah. I was waiting for Rogue-ish. it to drop the. I don't have because of all the sativa, the vocal range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right now. Um, <laughs> what a great movie! <clears throat> so much fun. The more I thought about it, and even though I had a massive panic attack from uh, eating too many edibles during that viewing that we saw. I was stone cold sober, and I was having a panic attack, because if you ever put me in a crashing train, that train's going to be filled with shit before it's ever filled with my blood. I can't believe nobody shit themselves. <coughs> I'd be shitting myself. Completely unrealistic. Tom Cruise would be like, I'm going to swing over there and get you, and I'd be like, cool, fair warning, though, lots of shit in my pants. So just get ready for that, but please save me. Um, <coughs> but yeah, I mean, even though this, and I hate, I hope they don't do this with the next installment, even though I know they're going to, because it's a big marketing tactic, but like, stop spoiling the stunt. Yeah, I want to go in. They blew that a little bit. Completely, I watched a 14-minute featurette about the stunt before I even saw the the fucking trailer for the movie. And honestly, <laughs> the stunt looked better in the reels because they didn't have to digitally put the cliff on it. Yeah. When it when it was just a ramp, it was so much more impressive to me. Even it though, really like, was. it would be weird if you'd be like, I stumbled across this Hang ramp. On. Benji, I found the answer. It's I a found giant a perfect ra- ramp. Oh my god, is that Christopher McQuarrie? <laughs> It says Red Bull's painted on it. Yeah. We must have stumbled across the set of a Red Bull video. Um, but everything from the action to the set pieces to the setting up for the obvious transfer of power to Agent Carter um, is... Which I'm into. Stuff I'm into. And because I went back to watch the original Mission Impossible, what was the stat of the day that I told you? Do you remember? Um, the stat of the day, something about sleight of hand or or uh, mm. Kittrich. I don't Kittrich. know. Yeah. Every Mission Impossible that has a Kittrich also has a train. Oh, oh that's what it was. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think you've cracked it. Yep. <laughs> so, either next movie, we're not going to have a train or Kittrich is going to die. Or 
Kittrich gets hit by a train. Yeah. And then it's and the train explodes and we never get a train or a Kittrich again. Well, because I think I think that they will probably keep that tradition because I feel like we're gonna pick up right from where this movie ended. Oh, yeah. And they were still on the train. Yeah, so I believe as Isai Morales was going away, like, damn you, yeah. Ethan Hunt. Uh, he was just on a train going into the distance, but I don't remember. I just what impressed me about that movie was I loved how audacious the shot choices were in the conversations. Because Christopher McQuarrie was not shooting with any sort of conventional wisdom. It was all Dutch angles I and crazy like yeah. cuts where it's like, if I a lesser hand would, would fail at capturing the geometry of the scene with such audacious shot choices. But he nailed it. And they ratcheted up the tension yeah, with, with these shot yeah. choices in a way that felt... It felt very like 60s classic spy stuff just skewed to a contemporary extreme. Which is, you know, what Mission Impossible was. And... I just realized another stat. Every movie, every Mission Impossible movie that has Kittrich and a train also has a huge focus on sleight of hand. Yes. Yes, it does have the sleight of hand. It all comes together. It all comes together. So uh, I thought that the sleight of hand in this movie looked digitally assisted. And uh, I asked Christopher McQuarrie on Twitter if that was the case. And he said, no, it was all real. I'll tell you what. I said, right on. The sleight of hand in Mission Impossible 1... With the disc, digital or assisted. Disc. You think so? Oh yeah, it has to be. Yeah, I was watching it, and um, everybody in the room was like, "That looks really bad." I have a very tenuous but usable connection to Brian De Palma, and I could maybe figure out a way to get him to answer that question to he, see if, if he remembers. Was. Yeah, that that's movie true. was '96. Yeah, but he's the man. Anyway, Mission Impossible Rogation number four. Okay, so my number four is uh, another movie that I saw at uh, the Philadelphia Film Festival. And it was a very special movie because we talked about this on Hot Property. Uh, this was the movie I was on to see when I was randomly attacked by a crazy person on the street. Oh, yeah. So I rolled into this theater for Riddle of Fire uh, pretty jacked up. And the movie was called Why You Shouldn't Randomly Attack People on the Street. Really? It was... <laughs> no, but it was... Uh, I was jacked up, and this is such a delightful adventure movie that uh, I, I left the right level of calm. And uh, and it's very funny. And what it is is three little kids break into a. Uh, it's a it's a movie that's shot entirely in Utah. They break into a big box I'm store out. and using little kid weapons like Nerf guns and stuff. They subdue the security guard and steal like a PS5 or whatever. But it's 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 not called a PS5, but whatever like whatever the game system is. And they go home, and one of the kids' mom is sick in bed, and they're like, "Can we please play our new game system?" She doesn't know they stole it, of course. And she's like, no, it's gorgeous outside. I'm sick, but you guys should go outside. And they're like, please, two hours. Just let us do a little. And she's like, well, I've been craving a blueberry pie. If you can get me a blueberry pie, you can play your video game for two hours. And so the whole movie is the adventure of these kids who are like foul-mouthed little bastards doing their best to get a blueberry pie so they can come home and play video games. But it involves kidnappers, criminals, a witch cult, uh, uh, like a zany baker. It's wild, but it's all played a very straight. zany baker? Yeah. Like, I was on board with everything else. The zany baker. <laughs> uh, just a lady who's a zany baker. Um, but all the kids are, are adorable. And one kid talks in a way that he has like little kid mispronunciation. So he's subtitled the whole time. Oh, and it's funny. really funny. I like that. But he's also <laughs> like, he's like a scrappy little kid with a lot of heart. And like all the kids are, and I don't like if a bad kid actor will sink a whole movie for me. And these, all three of these kids were fantastic. I, I like to give them a little leeway, but it's always nice when they're really good. I like to give them a little leeway, yeah. but sometimes they can annoy me is what I more, more mean to say. 
all of these kids were great. And it's like, it's foul mouthed and it's kind of dirty, but it's really funny. And it's just a gorgeous movie because it's shot on location in Utah. I believe it's shot 16 millimeter too. So it has like that film grain quality. <sighs> Love it. But yeah, Riddle of Fire, highly recommend. It's, it's so good. Utah is a beautiful place that I will never visit. Really? Why won't you visit? Afraid of Mormons? No, I just don't fucking care enough about Utah to go there. Scott went to Utah and looked at some rocks, and I saw the pictures, and they were well, really great pretty rocks. rocks. But I, see, I've also been to Colorado, so I've seen some rocks. Yeah, there's better rocks. I don't know. Utah actually has some of the world's best know. rocks. Whatever. Um, my number, Trace. Trace. Um, Oppenheimer. Atkins. Right on. What yeah. do you guys say about Oppenheimer? We talked about it at length, I think. Yeah. It's so good. I will be pulling for RDJ to get an Oscar. Or, I think right now he, because I, f- I feel like if he gets an Oscar, he might retire. I'd prefer him to get nominated and yeah. have him chase a little bit more. See what else he's got. At the same time, he's been chasing. Oh, I forgot he was he's nominated for an Oscar demons. for wearing blackface. Yeah, in Tropic yeah. Thunder, and deservedly so. He was, uh, but he didn't die, and Heath Ledger did. And Heath Ledger did. And Heath Ledger also deserved that Oscar. I'm not here to point fingers or pick sides. But yeah, he did get nominated there. And he also was nominated for Chaplin, I believe, back in the day when he played Charlie Chaplin. Really? Yeah. I never saw that movie. Either have I. I've yeah. heard it's good. It's directed um, by Richard Attenborough, who is the uh, grandfather and the owner of Jurassic Park. I would like to see one more movie in him. I don't want him to retire yeah. yet. But I don't know if he'll that... retire, though. I think he can't, he can't help himself. Because to me, like Robert Downey Jr., if he stops, then he's just going to start doing heroin. He's got to go. He's got to keep going. I don't. Th- I, I think he's battled his demons enough to, at this point to say he's not going to relapse. I thought that I was incapable of chewing my nails ever again because I went almost a year without doing it, and I chewed them all off today. And I imagine that's extremely similar to the plight of an actual drug addict. I'm pretty sure that uh, he's good. Yeah, just gonna I, say. <laughs> I would say that he's he's a. Uh, He's he's pretty insulated by uh by his money and he's got a good way to take care of himself and I no I actually think he has healed his if you can uh, if you cannot relapse when your father dies I think that you'll yeah. be you'll probably make it you know I met his dad really that's at cool at the Philadelphia Film Festival many years ago uh, he, uh Robert Downey Jr.'s first uh, role was in one of his dad's films it was called Dog Pound uh, or made have been Pound and what it is is it's it's literally a dog pound the people aren't dressed as dogs. But every person in this movie is understood to be a dog. It's like a metaphor. It's yeah, it's cool. And he, he directed it, and he was in uh, he was in uh, 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 attendance at the screening. That's awesome. And so I went up afterwards and said hi to him, and he was he was very sweet. I would have said hi. Is your son here by any chance? Well, it was around the time I've got of, all this Iron Man merch. It was around the time of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, so we didn't have Iron Man oh, yet. Okay. And my buddy that I was with, who I haven't seen him forever, shout out Mike Goldstein. He was like, so what do you think about uh, you know your uh, your son sort of having a, a return? And he was just like. I don't think about it, but good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Like, Did you right watch on. the movie that he made about his dad? Uh, no, no. I think I would like to watch it in time, not right away. Yeah, it probably is worth watching. Uh, it's certainly better than his music career. Oh my but yeah, god! In, in Dog Pound, Robert yeah, Downey to Jr. Our last episode of he's like six years that. old, and you see little sweet baby Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, number three for you. Number three, this was actually on my first half of the year list. I saw it at two festivals this year. I went and saw it again. I saw it at Overlook. I saw it again at Philadelphia Film Festival because I was dying to see it again. And it will be on Shutter soon, I believe. Late Night with the Devil, the uh, found footage horror movie starring David 101 Dalmatians. And he uh, plays this uh, uh, the host of Night Owls. 
Uh, it's the show that's going to give Johnny Carson a run for its money. And so this is the master tape of the Halloween episode of Night Owls during a time where, uh, I forget the host's name, uh, his wife recently died. They were like a high-profile romance. And uh, his show's starting to flounder. So he's desperate to get good ratings, and it's Sweeps Week. So for the Halloween show, he invites on you know, some wild guests. Like, we have a psychic going to be on here. We have a little girl who came from a demon cult and that kind of thing. And uh, that mixed with, you know, what could potentially be the ghost of his past wife and other such things. Uh, the show goes off the rails. And we're mm. watching the master tape of this haunted show. On... But what's cool is by the end, it goes completely surreal. Uh, and like divorces itself from the found footage conceit in in such a way that it's like oh the the whole experience is haunted here it's fucking wild and it's it's funny it's got some crazy gore effects it's it's just a very imaginative movie and the first time i saw it i was like this is pretty great and the second time i saw it i was like this is an all-timer for me nice it's an all-timer yeah late night with the devil and this one's not scary i think you would like it sounds a little more it's more of like a funhouse thing but it's got a really good character and david desmalchen uh his name i was clowning on earlier he gives like a really good performance Mm. he's a good actor is he better than chewbacca at your sketch um I mean, I feel like me making fun of his name in that way would probably get read as a little less racist. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Chewbacca sketch is funny to me, but in, with time, I was like, oh, I feel like that. Whereas David 101 Death Mountains is, uh, do we lose something? Oh, no, we're we're good. Good. Okay, uh, that feels a little less, uh, a little less harmful. But yeah, Late Night with the Devil just fucking owns. I, it's even if you end up not loving it, I think everyone who watch it will just go like, wow, that was a fun experience. Yeah, it's a fun, fun, I'll fun movie. Um. My number two, Blackberry. Yes! Blackberry yes. was awesome. It was um, awesome. And if for nothing else than watching my boy Glenn Howerton, who I also met this year, yes, um, would be actually... Re- and like this is why I'm so excited about this movie, is because it's going to uh, afford so many more opportunities for him to remove himself from oh, the yeah. uh, Dennis persona. And the Dennis character, which I think is a great character for Always Sunny, even oh, yeah. though he's a huge piece of shit. He's my favorite character on Always yeah. Sunny. Um, but seeing Glenn really, really nail this role, um, yeah. as someone who's watched him his whole career, made me feel really proud. Oh, yeah. If it is get, wild to feel proud If he gets canceled, I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to be so hurt. I suspect that the Sunny guys and gals are all good people. I think so, too. Uh, it seems like... Mac is someone that I like really look up to in terms of like his business savvy. Entrepreneurialism. Yeah, like yeah. and he's just some South Philly kid. I feel like they keep each other accountable. Yeah, yeah. A lot since they came up together. There and was they something... like, listen, if if you fuck up, if you don't if you make a mistake, just realize that that mistake reflects on all of us. And yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. that's kind of like something like that is a conversation they've had when you because I've seen multiple interviews with all of them separately and together and you can tell they just have that dynamic where like they're a team. And nothing is going to change that. Um, don't fuck it up. Yeah. Or the other two will. Let's make the best. Show. The other two will call you out. Yeah. yeah. Let's make the best show and let's do it right. Exactly. That was a uh, on their podcast. One of the things when they were talking to Caitlin about like when she first started uh, dating Rob. Yeah. And <clears throat> and she said something. She was like, I I was attracted to him because he was just so good at what we were doing. She's like, I worked on shows before. And it was just always, like, terrible. And she's like, and he was just some dude who didn't know what he was doing and did it better than anybody. Yeah. And, like, that's so cool. And, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. They, they, and they all seem, like, thoughtful. Oh, yeah, for sure. But back to the movie. Um, it's so it was... good. I am from Waterloo, where the vampire 
fires hang out dude great line and like watching some, like kind of somebody who's obviously taking advantage of somebody who's invented something yeah really fail at the end to get what he covets covets most hockey was, <laughs> and it's such a weird niche thing to really want to he just wants to own the fucking Toronto Maple Leafs was it yeah. or something like that just Canadian pride yeah and uh, beeps because that's something that I would love to do if I were to have the capital to do so at some point oh, I yeah. own like some kind of stake in a uh, do you know that Bill Maher is like co-owner of the Mets? Bill Maher. That, Ma- that makes Bill sense because they no, both what? are fucking insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like half owner of the Mets. By the way, when you said Bill Maher, I heard Bill Hummel for a good second. I was like, wait a minute, how? Um, Bill Hummel was our manager. Yeah, so I own half the Mets. Yeah, dude, check yeah, it out. I, I own half, half the Mets, the Mets. dude. Um, Me but, and my brother, Tim from Castle Rocks. And this is like the last... Um, this is the last... Well, actually, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was going to say, this is the last... I'll, I'll tell you when I'm telling number one. Anyway, great movie, Blackberry. Check it out. It's still streaming now. I also... I, I want to say this about Blackberry. It's very exciting, uh, partially because of Glenn Howerton. And, like, him really... Like, I think you're right. Like, you forget... Even when he's giving a good performance in something else, like, oh, yeah, it's Dennis. And this, a character that actually could be an alternate reality, Dennis... I never once thought of him as Dennis. Yeah. I thought of him as his character. Oh yeah. And like and so it goes to show like how powerful of an actor he actually is. But the filmmaker, Matt Johnson, who plays uh uh what's his name's little buddy? Um uh, he's like the dude with the headband. I'm trying to remember his name too, the nerd. The nerd, uh uh Jay It's not Justin Long. Jay Jay Baruchel. Jay Baruchel, um, who's great. Um I think and I, a, I don't a like him very much either. Him. And he pulled a Michelle Rodriguez and he's, and won me over. He's back. Yeah. He did it. And he did it in a less hi-fi sense. Um, no, but Matt Johnson is the writer-director, and he oh he he adapted the book that it's based on. Um, he directed it, and he plays that guy with the headband. And oh, yeah. he That's made a cool. couple movies that I, like I love: The Dirties and Operation Avalanche. And um, if you're a fan of Blackberry, uh, those two movies are worth checking out. Actually, there's an older episode of the show on Operation Avalanche that you're gonna want to check out if you if you. Uh, check out the movie operation avalanche rules and he's like a guerrilla filmmaker like he snuck into nasa to film it the dirties is a essentially about two kids planning a school shooting and he somehow managed to sneak his way into a high school by pretending to be a documentary crew and underground filmed this whole movie but it's like a comedy narrative that's wild and he did that with nasa they pretended to be a documentary crew filming the history of nasa and instead he was making a movie about nasa faking the moon landing and him playing a character who accidentally un- uncovers that they faked the moon landing, and now he's got to run. It's wild. That's awesome. Yeah, so he's very creative. Show, yeah. And so to see him take those sensibilities and apply them to a more straightforward, less gimmicky narrative of just uh, biopics, not the right word, but like a Tetris air style historical yeah, drama, yeah. Um, yeah, like a business, fast talking business drama, was unbelievable to see. And I think that uh, his jump to like, I don't want to say legitimate filmmaking, but a more classic sense of filmmaking is very exciting to see alongside uh glenn howerton's ascension i agree yeah he's a golden god he is he has a bar they can repopulate it's not very good it's not very good what's your number two my number two this was also on my first half Uh, you know i love my found footage horrors and not since the blair witch project has the game been changed so drastically as with the outwaters uh the outwaters is a fully surreal a mind-melting experience that might not be for everybody. I could see a lot of people being like put off by it. 
But is this that one movie where it's just like a baby? No, that's Skinnamarink. Okay. Which I liked Skinnamarink a lot. Certainly not for everybody. I think it would have been served better as a short film. That said, watching it alone, you're super stoned in, in a dark room. It's you get a little. That's why I don't watch scary movies anymore. Because I did that and then watched Paranormal Activity. And uh, I've never been able do to it. come back from it. Yeah. And your cabinet flickered, and you're like, "Fuck this! I'm out! Fuck. I'm burning the house down." Then you burn the house down, but it doesn't matter because it's not the house that's haunted; it's you that's haunted, and it's coming after you. Why would you. you say that to me? Because that's paranormal activity. Move Build on the plot. Uh, you're not. <laughs> um, the Outwaters is uh, it's about a group of of young young people going out to the desert to film a music video, and uh, in the in the desert, shit gets real weird real fast, and it's all found footage and. The way that the Blair Witch Project feels like it actually feels like someone found this tape, whereas like Paranormal Activity, you know, it's like a movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's that kind of thing. They take some liberties with it a little bit, but like, oh, it could be that someone found this tape. The Outwaters is the first one since Blair Witch that like it, it's supposed to be like a thumb drive that was found. It feels like someone found this thumb drive, and it just feels like it was. And the way that everything gets otherworldly and surreal sort of explains how it it can break the 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 framing device of being found footage. And so with the Blair Rich Project, what people forget about is nothing explicitly supernatural happens in that movie at all. No. Everything in that could be explained by anything if you want. There's no explicitly supernatural. Very few found footage movies do that. You know, paranormal yeah. activity is explicitly supernatural. Everything goes explicit at some point. It's a very fine line to draw. And Outwaters finds a way to do the Blair Witch thing where uh, it's explicitly supernatural stuff does happen, but it doesn't feel any less, it doesn't feel more manufactured because of that. It still feels real. Yeah. And uh, like if they release this, like the way that Blair Witch kind of leaned into the idea, like eh, maybe it's real. If this came out in 1999 and was leaned into that way, it would have the same response despite featuring explicit supernaturalia. But it's you know what the marketing team would do is just put put out fake flash drives everywhere exactly. with uh, the movie on it. But back then they would have to invent a flash drive first. So yeah. what are you going to do? But yeah, it's just like, it's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. I When it ended, I was like, I feel like I'm wearing different skin. This is just, it's fucked up. But uh, I think it changed the game in a huge way. And it was a big hit in horror circles. And uh, it's I would say it's the best, best uh, horror movie of the year. Hmm. Yeah, Outwaters, game changer. I'll probably not see that one. I don't think you would, even if like you liked horror, I don't think you'd like it because it is pretty avant-garde. Not so much as Skinnamarink, but like it's it's a I surreal really experience. I do really hate avant-garde. Yeah, in general. Yeah, use right guard. It just it, use right it keeps guard. the sweat. It smells in. better. It smells better. It's less powdery. Um, I was so I was gonna say it's that um, the last couple of there's a lot of. So overall, five of my top ten movies are based off of products. Apparently, okay. um, my number one movie is Barbie. Hell yeah! Okay, yeah. right on. Um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, it was just a well-made film. Yeah. Um, I listened to "Dance the Night Away" by Dua Lipa for. I'm still listening to it. Actually, it's, it, that's such. A it's pop, a yeah. fucking earworm, dude, and I love that fucking song. If I'm ever feeling down, I'm just I like, and I'm like going to work on 76 i'll just put that song on before i put on a podcast it really starts the day nicely oh yeah i used to do that um, with the trolls song the justin timberlake song oh yeah yeah interesting got the feeling so like the whole song it's one of those songs also that just like reminds you of the movie and like how yeah, yeah. like 
Well, the scene that that plays Wells. over is is so well done. Oh my god, I know. Um, Margot Robbie just continues to prove what a treasure she is to oh, the yeah. acting world, and it it's just like her range. And also it, her it business savvy. She's year. another one. Yeah, like she's she's taking control of her career and is building into superstar status. Yeah. it's awesome. Um, I didn't. Well, I'll keep going with positives. Um, not Kristen Wiig, the other one that I like from SNL. Oh, Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. Yeah, it's so funny. It stole the show in her. Her scenes. impossible Splits. flexibility. Oh, is so I was. Good. <laughs> I spent most of those scenes trying to figure out how they practically did that. Yeah, yeah, with a foam leg or whatever. Yeah. Um. The the Kens were great, except for John Cena. Um, that that moment. Yeah, my plate was a little full when he showed up. I was like, "Come <laughs> on, guys!" Um, but the scene where she meets the creator, I thought was really well yeah. done. Um, I didn't so much like the CEO bits, but they're forgettable. Yeah, so there's, it just that's it's the part easy that's to edit them me. out of your feelings for the movie. Yeah, but then the biggest it's reason. Just Will Ferrell doing his thing. And that when I when I thought about like, is Barbie? really the best movie of the year and it because of this following opinion i think it is tom cruise walked so that barbie could run oh yeah we thought when top gun maverick came out that movies were back yeah movies really came back when barbie were was in theaters yeah i have never seen so many people come to i'm getting shows right now come uh, together we say barbenheimer but like barbie was at the was lead barbie, of that barbie yeah. was at the front of that for sure Having watch people go to the movies, having so much fun, waiting outside in line, all dressed in the same essential uniform. It's incredible. It's like a Star it Wars. Made my heart sing because I my I used to go to this dog park, right by the movie theater, and so we'd be out there on a nice summer day, and we just I would just watch them flock in and flock out. And I'm like, fuck yeah, man! Oh, Everyone yeah. back at the movies for an experience, yep. not just for the film, and that's that's why Barbie. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. That's what we want. I it, there's. It's been it's been a long time since uh you know like like Endgame yeah. where people showed up and it's been such a long time that since a Star War has been such an event that people show up in costumes. Oh yeah, you know like at least in a mainstream sense. You know you got the and Barbie like got people who don't even go to movies to go to movies oh, the yeah. way Star Wars fans go to movies. Plus going That's to a movie that has stellar. such a good message. Yeah, like bringing little girls this movie is going to fucking change. Oh, they're gonna love it. A lot of shit. I and think. it's funny. I wasn't as blown away as you, but like it's funny and it is supremely well made. Well, I just think about like us growing up, we wanted to be Han Solo. We oh, wanted yeah. to be Indiana Jones. We I wanted, wanted to be Michelangelo. We wanted to be Ninja Turtles. Yeah. We, but like it still made an effect on us, a profound effect. Watching this movie affect, um, you know, younger people, I would say even, because it's mm. very much, you know, I would even say gender fluid, a lot of it. Mm. Um, but watching them instill a sense of pride in who you are and who you want to become and not just, you know, understanding that there is pain in the world, but also still dancing through it. I think it's a great message. And I I like the idea too. Also that, that, you know, the, the whole toxic masculinity messages are really fucking great. I think that funny in a way that like, I feel like a resistant man in the audience is not going to react like, oh, I'm being spoken down to. Because no. it's, it's not like that. It's 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 through the humor. I'm going so along effective. with the joke. Yeah, it's and funny. And if you're not, you don't belong in this movie. Yeah, it's just, yeah. you're not even, you're, you're not even going to get it, yeah. But, yeah, so I hope that, and I hope that people don't in the future, because I feel like that's already kind of tilting. Like, it feels like Ken is the main character now as yeah. months have progressed because 
that's what people have been obsessed with, like the Ken song. And now, because they're the funniest, they just re released it for a Christmas version. I'm like, guys, we're missing the fucking point here. Like, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're moving into marketing a little bit more, but, but it I is think still Barbie. At its core, this movie is going to stand the test of time as a really great message for, you know, young men and women everywhere. And I think it is like, you know, in, in its own way, it is a game changer. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it, it changed the way people, you know, go to movies nowadays, which I think was in desperate need of a shakeup. And I like the idea. That it drove home this point of like, <clears throat> sure, Barbie is some big corporate entity, but it's originally designed, the Barbie doll was originally designed to just not be a baby doll. Yep. To just be like, no, she's a doctor. Why should, why can't she be, you know? And like, that's such a big thing. And so to be able to celebrate that while also skewering the corporate nature of it and for Mattel to be on board with all of that, that's pretty cool. I think that's a decent step yeah. in the right direction, even though the cynic in me wants to be like, yeah, and they're still making a ton of money, but still, whatever. They're going to make a ton of money forever, no matter what we do. It's cool that in some type of way, a mirror was put on a corporation that that is able to ape them while also understanding their actual uh, yeah. good contribution. You and know you what can saying? tell that, I like the, that the corpos tried to get in on the joke, but there was definitely some... I'm pretty sure that Greta Gerwig wanted to push the envelope a little oh, bit yeah. more, and they were like, ah, we can't do that one. And I think Greta Gerwig is is legitimately a genius. I so disagree. I think that, like, well, I, dude, I mean, she's just... She stumbled her way into just being an from indie darling to, like, the woman director that's going to get Oscar okay, love insofar she's that as good. that goes, I will agree, but this is the first movie of hers that I enjoyed to any amount you can't deny her skill even if that you're it's not your flavor understood um, i will agree with that but, but i think lady like, bird was a chore for me to get through and fair. that's why i didn't watch little women with uh it's good but i just don't <clears throat> but care also much i just about don't women. i don't like victorian era same stuff either yeah. it is good though and bob odenkirk randomly shows up at one point oh, yeah, but um she's like ah my little women um but uh no I, what i mean is like it takes a greta gerwig like brain to be able to write a script that does do yeah. all that. And I know Baumbach as well, who I think is also a, a genius in, a, in his own way. And again, you're turning a product that we kind of take for granted into a great story with that has almost no lore attached to it. Yeah. 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 The only lore is that Barbie can be whatever she Barbie wants. can do anything. Yeah. We've only just begun. All right. My number one, and this is just going to be so like a deflation because it's another movie that you've probably never heard of. Um, this is another one from Fantastic Fest. This was a movie that I didn't plan to see at Fantastic Fest. I read the description and didn't really care to see it that much. And I couldn't get into one of the movies I wanted to see. And it was the only thing playing that I could get Saw into. 10. So, no, it wasn't Saw 10. I did see Saw 10. I had a lot of fun. It's not great. But um, so I stumbled into this movie called uh, Strange Darling. And <clears throat> the description of it was a day in the life, a day in the love life of a serial killer. And that's really all I want to say about it because it's like Pulp Fiction where it's told out of order but the order it's told in allows different surprises to come through at different points and it is about a yeah one day in the life of just like a serial killer doing some bad things based around a romance that's occurring and um, it stars uh, Kyle Gallner who is a uh, you oh, would man. know him if you saw him. Look up Kyle Garner. He's one of those movie? guys. Uh, it's called Strange Darling. And honestly, the less that you know, the better. But um, the real reason for this movie is that uh, it stars... I'm forgetting her name right now. Uh, Ed Begley Jr. Ed Begley Jr. No, does Madison, show up in Madison that. Beatty? 
No, that's not who it is. Willa it's, Fitzgerald. Um, Willa Fitzgerald. Willa Fitzgerald gives a performance that shook me to my core. Um, oh, he was in Vince uh, Vince Schneider. Kyle Gallner was in Scream. Yes, yeah, yeah, he's he's one of those guys. He was in like the uh, the Nightmare at Elm Street remake. I have seen all the Scream movies because of Kira. Oh, After right on. Kira has them yeah. playing on the Scream background movies. every time Whoa. I go to her house. They're so much fun. The original one's a masterpiece. He was in this great movie called Dinner in America. We actually interviewed the uh, the director of that on the show. Mm. Um, but yeah, Strange Darling. It is a uh, it's a thriller in six chapters. It's it's billed as, and the six chapters are out of order. And the order that it's told in allows for maximum surprise and engagement at all times, and it it, uh, it just like really blew me away. And the performances are all Cazada's great. In this. What's up? Stephen Michael Cazada's in this. Is that um uh, what's his name from Breaking Bad? Yeah, well, uh, Gomi. Gomi. Yeah, he's in yeah. it. Um, I thought he retired and started running for office. I follow him on a Facebook. We're oh, friends, right on. no, we don't even follow. Him. We're friends on Facebook. Oh, nice. Because yeah. <laughs> nice. um, he's not—I guess he's not high enough of an actor to have followers. He only has friends. He's got people know. who recognize him. So I'm. Friends well, he probably just Facebook. uses Facebook that way. Just yeah, you're yes, right. He probably is people, easier. Correct. You know. Um, <laughs> No, but uh, he he shows up in it and he's really good. I think about Gomi lying there in the dirt, dead, multiple times Dude, a month. It was a heart wrenching and like in a in a series with multiple heart wrenching scenes. Anyway, yeah. we're not talking about Breaking Bad. We're that that whole thing though, the double punch of, of Hank and Gomi. But yeah, Strange Darling is my favorite movie this year. Uh, the director J T. Molnar, who actually I've become friends with on uh, Twitter, uh, uh, he uh, proudly shoots only on film, and uh, he shot this only on film, and it is gorgeous to look at mm. and I'm uh, watching the first couple seconds of the trailer here and it looks really really vibrant it's it's a gorgeous movie it is a bleak movie it is a upsetting movie it is a twisted violent movie yeah um but i think that it says some really smart stuff about coding the way that it unveil un- The way, that, the way that it unveils the secrets of its plot is very clever and teaches you about your own internal biases uh, about what you think when you see characters. And it's constantly a push-pull between our two lead characters as to you know who's in control. And uh, it, it's just it's very cleverly done. And um, yeah, it was just a deeply upsetting movie, but a, a really entertaining one. Uh, the filmmaking is on point, and one of the most interesting things about it is that it has a soundtrack score, uh, like The Graduate has. If you listen to The Graduate, it's essentially a Simon and Garfunkel album made of completely original tunes for The Graduate. Put it in terms of Daft Punk so I can understand it. Okay, so uh, Tron, the original score album uh, by by Daft Punk, if you listen to that by itself, is also just a really great Daft Punk album. Yeah. Um, and it's made of original songs designed for that. That's sort of in between what I'm talking about here. But like, uh, <laughs> sorry, but, I couldn't miss an opportunity. No, no. But I mean, but it was it, there, there's a valid response. But like the uh, uh, so like yeah, like you know the Simon and Garfunkel album that is the Graduates uh, soundtrack. This is an original singer songwriter. I forget what her name is. I can look it up. Um, she does like uh, I don't want to say folk, but she's just an original singer songwriter. And all of the music in the movie are original songs by her written for the movie so if you were to listen to the strange darling soundtrack you would just be listening to an excellent album by this woman so actually this is might be in terms of it inside lewin davis yes nice yes yeah. very much so because i'll be honest with you i never saw the graduate 
Okay, uh, it's great. It's fantastic. It's too old for me now. Oh man, I think that you would you would you would actually really like. I it. I can't watch anything older than The Wire. Okay, unless it's The Great Escape. <laughs> that is a really really interesting place. Or The Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> that's just a really like that's the it's older than The Wire, man. I'm out. I'm out. No, I want to get this singer's name because it's really good. Uh, Strange, darling, movie music. And it's, it's, you know, like a simple name, like Karen G or something. Um, not Mia Follick. Did you write this review? I may have written it. Strange Darling is the best film I have seen at Fantastic Fest yet. Is it on Scully Vision? It That's was probably everything me. I wanted and more. We are told the film would be told in six chapters. No, you wouldn't do a double word in one sentence, would you? No, I don't think so, but I did, I did write about this, I believe. We then it... see chapter three flash on the screen and the action begins. No, you don't. You, this is not your style. No, right? it's not my this style. This is way too remedial. So let me go to my. Let, but let me this just go guy, to my website. Well, th- this is my point. I should be going to these things. I can write better than this cocksucker. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I would totally have you do that. Here we go. Uh, no, that's don't worry, darling. Fantastic fest. Oh, maybe I didn't write about it, and I just did it in my pod. Um, ah, well, while I wax philosophical, look up the lady who did the. Music. I'm trying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's just a. It's just an old style movie done really well and it's thrilling and it's the best thing that I've seen all year. And it was the best thing I saw at Fantastic Fest. It says the music is done by Craig DeLeon. He did the, the composition. And that the cinematography is done by Giovanni Ribisi? Yes. What I, uh, the I fuck? forgot to mention that. Yes. The Giovanni Ribisi did the cinematography and let me tell you home fucking run. Who did the music strange darling this is great radio i know um, you can even hear the clicking of my keys oh, that's all good uh mia Follick? no that's not what this is um because it's not i i'm gonna know the name as soon as i see it uh mia Follick, strange darling ep album by mia Follick. nope that's not it z berg the letter z b-e-r-g that was her name z berg and apparently she and the director met while hiking and talked about movies. And when he found out she was a singer-songwriter, asked her to score his movie. And uh, she did such a good job. The songs are incredible. I would listen to them uh, if they were released uh, in any way. She's got a look about her that makes good music. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you. She looks like a mixture of Sia and um, the lead singer of Paramore. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What is Who her I name? I want to say is Haley Atwell, but nope. That's no, the name it's Haley I was something, trying yeah. to remember earlier. Uh, it's Haley. It's Haley something. I'm Haley gonna, Lou I'm Richardson. I'm going to yell for this by someone I know it. Um, but anyway, so Z Berg did the music, but uh, uh, her and the director and a couple other people did it. Williams. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, they did a Q&A afterwards where they talked about the process of making the movie. And one of the cool things about this movie, which I think is all, is not always, but frequently a sign of a good movie is a few people left in a huff because it's pretty aggro at points and a few people left in a huff and the director said i really wish people wouldn't because as you know people who stayed what made them in a huff is different than they think it is because of the way that the structure is and he's like so you know you always wish people stay but at the same time you know the best art pleases three people out of five so 
you know, it it is what it is. Put it on the poster is like a shock value review. Like people left in a huff. People left in a huff. Like a couple people were just like, ugh, and got out. Like remember that one paranormal activity movie? They were like, someone had a heart attack and oh, died yeah, in the yeah. theater. Come on in. <laughs> just keep telling yourself it's only a movie. Yeah, it's only a movie. Yeah, it's a. Uh, you know, but, I don't think uh, I don't think people left in a huff would get you the same kind of magnetism. No. But... Although I will say this, when I saw Saltburn, some lady choked on something and they had to pause the movie at the film fest. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Jesus. And, uh, she was fine, which is good. Like, of course, pause the movie. And then they was ran salt the popcorn back a little had bit. too much salt on it and she burned Apparently her throat? Apparently she had a swallowing issue. And this is something that happened before and happened in theaters. So, like, the dudes who run the film festival know her. So uh, it was very easy for them to come in, just, like, you know, understand the situation, get an ambulance in and do that. But she was fine. If you have a fine. swallowing issue, maybe wait until you're in a more well-lit room to start snacking. That's what I would do. I, I, I don't know what the what the granular details are of the whole thing. I just know that that's what happened. And yeah. I got to see about a two-minute segment of Saltburn twice because they ran it back. But it's yeah. a good movie, so it's cool. But it's No Strange Darling, which was my number one movie movie of 2023. And mine was Barbie. And yours was Barbie, which, I mean, Who, this was the year of Barbie, yeah. so that's valid. She's kind of a strange darling herself. She really is. Not as strange as, uh, was it Weird Barbie? Yeah, that her name? Barbie. That's kind of who I was referring to. Yeah. Because you could be referring to any Barbie. Strange Barbie. Weird darling. Uh, Michael Sarah made me really uncomfortable with the way he looked in that movie. <laughs> I didn't find the Alan bit as funny as everyone else seemed to. Yeah. It, it, didn't, it didn't work with he me. He just makes me uncomfortable in general. And actually, Midge. Remember Midge? Nobody talked to Midge because Midge is pregnant. Oh, right, right, right. She's played by um, uh, Emerald Fennell, the writer-director of Saltburn. Oh, yeah. full circle. Full circle. Even the salt burn was not on my list. A um, few honorable menchies real yeah. fast. I don't have any more. Okay. Because I, I list all the movies I saw. So um, Actually, the best movie I saw this year, which I we uh, already had an episode about, um, was Dr. Sleep. Oh, right on. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it so as much So thank as you, you for... Well, it really um, brought me to terms with how I compartmentalize my feelings and why I shouldn't do that. Yeah. But if they're demons, you should compartmentalize them in literal boxes inside your mind. I've been practicing. So that you can unleash them upon other ghosts later on. Mm -hmm. If you ever find yourself yep. with the overlook. Exactly my plan. There you go. Yeah. So Blackberry was on my honorable mentions. May, December was on my honorable mentions. I'm surprised mentions. Blackberry didn't make the cut. I kind of figured it would be on your list and I was already struggling. So okay. I just kind of right, you know, did it that way. Um, I thought the new Ninja Turtles was really great. I really want to see that. It's so good. Yeah. I, I think it would have made your list. Had, I mean, well, yeah, it definitely would have made your list. The more that I watch like Seth Rogen produce stuff, the more I'm into him producing shit. It's so shit. good. Yeah. It's the first time in a long time that the Ninja Turtles actually felt like teenagers to me. That's what it looked like. They yeah. feel like teenagers. And like making April a fellow teenager that is, you know, as opposed to like this weird, like, is she a mom that fucks Sex turtles? objects. Yeah. That, yeah what the she's fuck? just like a cool chick that is like, uh, she likes to investigate things. So she's a journalist. As a prepubescent boy, I was very grateful for the character. Of course. As an older man who realized what was happening, I regret it. Yeah. And as an older <laughs> man for whom this, uh, this Ninja Turtles movie, despite its youthful appeal, is ostensibly marketed towards. Yeah. I did really enjoy that. Uh, and Jackie Chan Splinter. Fuck out of here. That he was made to voice that role. The role he was born to play. Yeah. Um, 
Talk to me, fantastic, scary movie. I just had so many horrors that it didn't make the cut. I was going to say, what do you think um, I've been doing for the last four hours? There you go. Uh, Brooklyn 45, Ted Gagan's new movie is uh, it's just a really great chamber piece. I've been watching Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, Iron Claw, Zone of Interest. Iron uh, Claw is probably at the top of good. my list for what must see is soon. Uh, Godzilla minus one is really incredible. Mm. I think you would also really like the creator. I was this close. To get, I was playing video games with my buddies Justin and George, and we were this close to saying, "Do you want to go watch Godzilla minus one right now?" You should have done it. We've played video games more instead. It happens. Yeah, but uh, Godzilla minus one is very worth your time. Zone of interest. I had air on here. Polite society. Um, I guess if I were to pick one more, uh, this really cool UFO adventure movie I saw at Fantastic Fest called UFO Sweden. That was a uh, kind of like Stranger Things. or D. Uh, Sweden, like it's Sweden. Viva okay. Sweden. Um, bork a bork. Swedish chef. Because I heard a UFO Sweden. Sweden. Like that UFO Starring Sweden. Starring Jody Sweden. Um, yeah, Kokomo City. Yeah, just there, there was just so many good things. But um, I'm not going to read them all. Well, do you, like, can I ask you something objectively? Do you think it was actually a landmark year for film, or did you just go to a lot more film festivals this year? I think between Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Oppenheimer, we can definitely say it was a landmark year for film Um, and i would put ferrari up there too i would put the iron claw up there i would put the zone of interest up there um i haven't seen holdovers but i hear that that is like i'm surprised you didn't see that one either because i feel like that one is one i skipped it at the philly film festival because it clashed with too many things and i figured it would get a wide release and then i just never caught it but i do have a blu-ray copy coming my way for review so i will be seeing it soon it's also streaming now so i could just watch it but I haven't watched a lot of movies the last couple of days. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, there was one movie at Fantastic Fest called Kill, and it is a movie about a guy who, uh, he's like some sort of mercenary, and robbers take over a train, and so he just fucking murders his way through all of the robbers on the train. I'd be into that movie. It's fucking sick. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't drop the title card of Kill until like 45 minutes into the movie, and it drops at a really good point, and as soon as it hits, you're like, oh, he gonna kill everybody. Now the movie and really then begins. he yeah. does. It's great. That one I saw at like a midnight screening and I was dead tired. And then like 15 minutes into it, I was completely wired and jacked up and ready to go. Nice. So good. That one I'll check out. I'm gonna write that yeah. one down. It's um it's not an American movie. I forget what country it's from. I think it might be Indian. But uh it's uh it, it rocks, man. Nice. But yeah, um, I don't know if there's, I guess the only emergent themes I can think of from the years, there were a lot of movies that were conscious of business, like Blackberry, like Barbie, you know, like uh, Tetris Air. Tetris Air. Oh, even D&D. Even D&D. Mario Brothers. Mario Brothers. Uh, it's weird to see how we're sort of synthesizing away away from IP while still Rebel Moon. <laughs> keeping a foot in the door of IP. Well, even Rebel Moon, it's like, we're moving away from Star Wars, but let's be honest, he was, this was supposed to be a Star Wars. We're moving away from Star Wars, and like the camera pans from Target to Kmart, and like, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what you get now. But what if it's a blue light special? No. Rebel Moon 2, blue light special. Honestly, I can't, I'm so glad, because I almost sought it out in theaters. I, I was supposed to see it, and then I was really sick, so I couldn't go. You're lucked out. Eh, I, I mean, if I, I feel like ideally I would have liked to see it on the theater rather than on my iPad on my parents' couch. I still would have stood up and screamed, what is the point of the sequence? <laughs> I don't care who's around me. I don't think anyone was able to go. Yeah. I, oh, excuse me. I had to fight for that screening, and then I couldn't even go anyway. 
I had to hunt it down and seek it out and beg for it. And then I was too sick. What are you going to do? Well, and then I went to see Ferrari at AMC. Couldn't get the movie to play. Oh, yeah. I remember you texted me. I'm very sad right now. <laughs> that was a, Heartbreak <laughs> felt exactly the way Heartbreak yeah. was supposed to feel in a place like that. Yeah, because we went to go see something that happened. What was it? Um, well, uh, the first Mission Impossible, I think. No, I think I think it was Ant-Man. Oh, yeah, you're right. I think it was we were supposed to see Ant-Man. And that's why I had to go with uh, someone else. Yeah. yeah. I think it was... Yeah, you know what? It was Ant-Man because I remember I went back to the second screening of Ant-Man and they gave us free popcorn as like an apology. But it happens all the time at this AMC. It happened oh, for yeah. Tar. It was because they gave us a tiny ticket. They gave us tiny tickets. Yeah, yeah, which was fun. And then I threw it... I was like, oh, this would be a cool memento for a movie I don't want to remember. Yep. And I don't remember. I'm done with it. Yeah. All right. Maybe the Marvels is out and I can watch it. Maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. I got nothing else. I'm movied out. Yeah, this is the year Marvel died. Yeah. And DC. I mean, but DC was, wasn't as alive. From but. the ashes of Marvel rose a phoenix of movies that we know and love now. Oh, yeah. And also, the Dark Phoenix will rise again now that the X-Men are part of the MCU. Yeah. We did We did look at spoilers for the Marvels. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. Yeah. Uh, whatever. People know now. Right, Beast right. is in it. Just when Kelsey Frazier made Graham a comeback, too. Beast. Yes. And Frazier's back. Man, Kelsey Grammer is fucking killing it. Yeah, he's killing it. I Although he got in back... trouble the other day because he did come out as a uh, Trump supporter. And oh, people were like, God. Kelsey Grammer, I'm disappointed. I was like, are you surprised? Have you seen Frazier? Yeah, are you surprised at all? I'm not. Yeah, he's in his 60s. It's just one of the things. Um, I think that's it, man. I'm it? out of juice. Me too. This is good. I needed this. I uh, don't have the energy to sing. Happy New Year's, everybody. Should all the acquaintance be forgot and go fuck yourselves? That's been the movie, movie pod again. Go fuck yourselves. Happy New Year. I hope everyone has a great 2024. We will be back in a few weeks. Might be a little time off. We'll see how it goes, but we'll be back in a few weeks and I'll check the social. At uh at movie movie cast for what we'll be covering. I'll or as the late great Marvel would say, Dan Celsius. and Steven will return. We will return.